impact on the markets. Uh, but other than that, uh, oh, hey, there's problems out there. I think last week, as I mentioned, I think there was, I don't mean this in a, a nasty way, but there was probably a little bit of a, a Pope rally that we saw to some degree. And uh, no one was focused on the markets, Al, and um, no one paid any attention. They were easily manipulated, and uh, um, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. Um, you know, the, markets the markets are going to fold. Pardon? That the markets are down again today. Yeah, I mean, the markets are going to fold. I and mean, we've talked about this before, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but all of these predictions uh, were all predictions that can't be controlled when all people have to look to is our financial situation out of Wall Street and Washington. I mean, the debt that we have, we talk about this all the time. That's why I don't want to spend a lot of time on it today. That is our problem. That is the problem that is the truth and uh and the problem is not simply to say that we have a debt the problem is that the debt can't be paid and that is the insolvable insoluble problem that faces us again because the debt corresponds to paper debt instruments if we're in debt for 18 trillion dollars in the national debt there's 18 trillion dollars worth of bonds out there and if we cancel the debt, we cancel those bonds. People are holding those bonds as assets. They're in your pension funds. They're in some of your bank uh, savings deposit or your bank uh, safety deposit boxes. People have bonds. Wipe out the debt. Wipe out the correlative asset. System can't take that strain. We can't pay the debt, and we can't repudiate the debt. What are we going to do? And no one has an answer for that. Because there isn't an answer. This is a day of reckoning that's coming. Yeah. And, uh, yes, I get upset with, uh, you know, the way people are manipulating. You know, we talk about the price of gold and silver being manipulated. Well, there's a lot of people being manipulated out there when they're being told about these events and situations. I have no control over those events and situations. The only thing I can control is, is getting prepared what I can see as the truth, where I have backup for truth, where it shows me the day of reckoning is coming and it's shortly around the corner. That's the big problem. That's what the House of Cards was built on. That's what's going to make the House of Cards fall. And... uh Anyway, what's next, Al? Well, I don't know. I've got an article here. I know I put it in here, but where did I put it? Well, let's do this. China's coming date, Great Depression. This is from the Federalist. China is on the road to its own Great Depression. The causes of our Great Depression are still of our own. I mean, the United States Great Depression in the 1930s are still hotly debated, but the best explanation comes from Friedrich Hayek, aided by the work of Milton Friedman, who, uh, who conclude that the Depression, the U.S. Depression, Great Depression, was brought and prolonged by loose monetary policy in the 1920s. We had the Roaring Twenties, loose monetary policy, followed by a too tight money policy after the initial bust. They overreacted. They say, "Oops, we've been too free with the money. Now we have to tighten up on the money." They got too tight with the money and the misguided supply-side policies of Hoover and Roosevelt served to postpone the recovery further. China's depression will stem from similar causes. China's massive 
over-indebtedness, which underlies its current slowdown, is the inevitable outcome of easy money policy in the recent past. Now, this is interesting because a lot of people assume that because China has $1.2 trillion in U.S. bonds and the biggest positive trade balance in the world, so far as I know, they are presumed to be sitting on a bunch of assets. And not many people give realize that China has also a massive debt problem. Right? So they're very similar to the United States in that regard. They are not just have they, they hold a bunch of our bonds, but they also got a bunch of their own debt. And apparently this debt is beginning to weigh on them. The article continues, China's monetary policy is increasingly far too tight, even as China's central bank attempts to accomplish the opposite. Misguided supply-side policies will compound these problems in a lurch away from economic liberalization toward increased state control of industry. Put all these factors together and China heads into a depression. Go ahead. Well, yeah, absolutely they're heading into that area. Why do you think the president of China was over here wooing the, the biggest corporations, the heads of the biggest corporations prior to even talking to Obama, promising them all kinds of deregulation going into China? Because they see what's coming. You know, they see what's coming, and, and they're out there to trying extent, to buy. But I don't know if anybody oh. really sees what's coming. I mean, they understand we are in strange territory. That is, nobody's ever been in before. But I wonder how many people really understand what's coming, and that includes me. I'm not saying I understand what's coming, but I can't see that whatever it is, it's going to be good. You know, it's we are off in uncharted territory, and are we going to find sea serpents, or are we going to find a new continent? What are we doing? This is like Columbus. You know, uh, embarking, and are we going to find India? Are we going to find Florida? What are we going to come up? What are we going to? What are we going to do here? And this is exactly why he was wooing these heads of these multi corporate, multinational corporations, telling them that he has their back. Is that his name? Excuse me. You said he's wooing. Is his name wooing? Could be. Could be Al. Uh-huh. But the point is. Um, you know, they do have problems. The point is China is heading into, uh, it's not going to become any better for China. No, I understand that. China, we've heard all this, and we've talked about this in the program before. China has been overrated. China has been hyped as if it's this, some sort of a massive industrial power. Well, there's truth to that, but it's like a massive industrial power that's in the middle of a, uh, a forest that's on fire. Yeah, you got a nice factory there, but your forest is on fire. And it's not clear how well your factory is going to weather that fire. And the fire is likely to drag on for a number of years and because they've got this massive population problem, massive pollution problem. Uh, you know, there are so many things working against China that you can't just sit back and, and treat it as something that's invulnerable. It looks like now maybe, you know, it's, we've, China's had a difficult problem in its, in its stock markets for the last year or so. But people have generally regarded that as 
sort of an aberration, not an indication of what's really going on in China. But I don't think it is just an aberration. I think the stock market, and I don't that's not an original opinion, and I'm not the first one to say it, but I think the stock market is not just something that got a little out of control and dropped too much by accident, but it'll be okay in a little while. I think it's evidence that people within China and problems within China are beginning to manifest. People recognize it, explains that there's currency outflow people, are taking their money out of China and moving it into foreign countries like the United States because they see trouble coming. And if they do, you know, how much trouble can China have before everybody's got trouble? Can China have, can the problems China have be confined to China or are they, or are they necessarily contagious and likely to affect the rest of the world? And, you know, with Trump out there talking about eliminating these trade agreements, so NAFTA and so forth, you, you, you know China's thinking along those lines. Well, you know, if someone like Trump gets elected and they actually change those agreements or eliminate those agreements, um, they could basically see some of these, you know, manufacturing jobs go back uh, come here to the USA. Do I believe that's going to happen? No, I don't. <laughs> but uh, they could certainly already be sort of uh, defending and trying to make sure that those positions and that manufacturing does not leave um, no matter who comes into office next year. So, you know, and this is all pre-planning. And I think it's big. I think it's big that they're there trying to buy these heads of these corporations and uh, um, to me, I see it more as uh, jobs leaving, whether they cancel the uh, trade agreements or not. But it's going to be interesting even to see if we get that far. What do you mean by... Before this whole system doesn't collapse. <clears throat> you mean system, the blood moon may finish us off? blood moon might finish us off, but the whole system might already collapse before we even have to worry about the cancellations of trade agreements and so forth, so... I watched the blood moon last night to some for a little while. You know, I didn't just sit there and watch it for an hour and a half. It's like watching paint dry. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. The moon turns kind of kind of reddish there for a while and rest that sort of thing. Um, interesting. It was the first mild night that I have understood that I've under that I've seen take place in Texas since last spring. It wasn't precisely cool, but it was cool enough where it was change in the weather, change in the seasons. We may finally, summer may finally be ending here in Dallas. <clears throat> Might be going into fall before, you know, before long, hard to say. But it was still, and it was eerie. And it was interesting to sit there and watch that moon. You know, it starts the penumbra, if that's the proper term, the shadow of the earth on the moon, it begins to cover it. It's not initially red, it's just kind of dark gray. But eventually it gets where you can see that there's a reddish cast to it, and you can see that. Um, it's interesting. First time I've seen a blood moon, next one's going to 1930 or 2033, and maybe I'll be around to see it, maybe I won't. Um, but you look at it and you wonder. In the, the the air was so still at Dallas last night. 
that it was just a little bit eerie. And you sit there and you wonder, does this really signal a change in our world? You know, a lot of people said, ooh, the blood moons, they're going to, you know, they're marking a big change and things are really going to hit the fan now. Well, maybe they are. I don't know. But it was interesting to watch and it was interesting to wonder about. Um, and today's market fall uh, does not, doesn't completely discount the blood moon's effect. We'll watch and see what happens tomorrow and maybe the day after that and so on. Uh, what do you think, Melody? Does the blood moon, is that a significant event? Does that mark a real turning point right now? Or is it more of a myth? Well, I'm not sure exactly what the, the blood moon. I don't think it was supposed to equate to our stock markets and to our economy. Mm. I think there was big changes that are supposed to, you know, be more on the spiritual level, so forth, and uh, you know, maybe Israel or something like that. So uh, changes. However, I didn't see it. We had quite a bit of cloud cover last night, but a couple of weeks ago, walking. My dog late at night. The moon was just as red as the pictures that I've seen for the the, the blood moon. A couple of weeks ago, it was, and I, and I actually thought that I had the date wrong because the moon was so red, and it even seemed bigger a couple of weeks ago than it did last night when I saw it come up. It didn't seem to be that super moon. It just seemed a, a like a regular full moon. Maybe it was but, a rehearsal. Um, perhaps. Uh-huh. So, dress rehearsal for the real blood moon last night. But I do believe these are signs that we experience, and you know, I don't think they should be, you know, and that's what they should be. They should be signs uh, telling mm, you know, us I that mean, uh, but there's. But again, you, you look to the truth. You look to the facts and uh, things that we can prove and things that we can confirm. Well, we can confirm the past. We can't confirm the future. Uh, not in terms of on particular days and rest, that sort of thing. You can have faith, you can believe, but it's not the same thing. You don't confirm it until it actually happens, and that means it's, you can confirm it in the present, you can confirm it in the past, hard to confirm in the future. And that's what makes, what irritates me, and this isn't over. I don't know what's going to happen with the blood moons. I don't know if they're going to have the effect people talk about, or they're done. They're not, I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not saying making. But I listen to people like John Hagee. And he was billowing about the blood moons and their great spiritual significance mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. you know, probably 18 months ago. And he makes a persuasive case because he's an extraordinary, he's an extraordinary order. And he gets you going. And you get, but now where are we? You know, it's, it's one of those things where you start making some of these predictions. And especially if you do it with dates and say, oh, this is going to happen by such and such. That's generally a mistake. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows the date. right? Nobody really knows the date. Some people get lucky once in a while, and then they claim to be a guru. But the truth is nobody really knows the date. And sure. from my perspective, you look at some of these events, you look at the fundamentals, you say this is what's likely to happen, but is this going to happen tomorrow or a year from now? We don't know. But you know what, Al? You can see what's coming. You can't you, see when it's coming. Well, I do know the break's coming, but I also just want to say this real quick. It's not exciting for folks, I believe. You know, and, and the, the pressure and the, the, the intensity that is created on various situations 
And, hey, we got a long way to go, folks. Uh, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen next month. We don't know. But uh, um, yeah, that's, and I've been hearing these situations, these promises, these events for over 20 years. And I don't think anyone's been correct yet. If they are, you'll hear about it. They'll have a book out within 90 days. <clears throat> Beyond the talk shows and rest of that sort of thing. We're going to take a break for some commercial announcements. I'm Alfred Adisker with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. Make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, You can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. 
program is brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What's next, Melody? we got a great little special going on today. It's a gold special. It's going to be a Mint State $61.20, either a Liberty or a St. Gaudens. It's going to be a $20 gold piece, a Mint State $61.20 gold piece. You will receive one one-quarter ounce American Gold Eagle. This includes all your shipping costs. And the total package is $1,695, $1,695. I mean, that's just, just about right at wholesale for these prices. So the, I do have a limited supply at these low, low prices, so don't wait to give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. That is a Mint State 61 $20 gold piece, one-quarter ounce American Gold Eagle. That's a modern-issue coin. And include your shipping costs. For $1,695. Make sure you visit our website at dgscoins.com. Sign up for the weekly newsletter. And, of course, you can listen to the radio program Monday through Friday, 4 o'clock, live, uh, right from the website. An article here from CNBC. The headline is, Putin, quote, do you realize what you've done? Unquote. Russian President Vladimir Putin on Monday admonished those who supported democratic revolutions in the Middle East, telling the United Nations they led to the rise of global of a globally ambitious Islamic state. And he's got a good point here. We have meddled in the politics of the Middle East. We've sat back and said, "Oh my gosh, that terrible Saddam Hussein." We've got to do something about this. We're going to give the people of Iraq the blessings of democracy. How all those blessings worked out? Turned into a, it's turned into nothing but a tragedy, a catastrophe, a disaster for the people of Iraq. As bad as Hussein may have been, uh, he was much better than what they, what's happened without him. And we have done this, at least in part, to supposedly give Iraq a democracy. Very few people understand what democracy is. Very few people understand that Iraq, as a Muslim country, can never be a democracy. You are not going to give democracy to Saudi Arabia. You're not going to give democracy to Iran. It is anathema. Democracy is anathema to the Muslim faith. It's, the, it's anathema to any real faith. It's an anathema to Christianity, if you understand what's going on. The fundamental idea behind democracy is that we'll all sit down, we'll take a vote on what is right and what is wrong. And if we all vote that we can have abortions, okay, then we can have abortions. And a week later, if we vote against say, no, we can't have them, okay, we can't have abortions. And a week after that, we say, okay, murder all the kids you want. <clears throat> the idea behind democracy is that man's law is superior to everything else. And the idea behind the Muslim faith is that God's law is superior to everything else. Because the Muslims are serious about their faith, they're not going to take a vote on whether or not they should have prayer call once, twice, or ten times a day. 
That's not what's happening within that faith. It can't be. These people are serious about their faith, and that means they cannot accept democracy. Insofar as we have tried to impose democracy on them, and democracy is fundamentally atheistic. Again, it's the idea that man's law triumphs over everything. If we were real Christians, we wouldn't want it either. We'd want to sit back and say, wait a second, what's God's law got to say about this? There's some things that man's law can figure out. God didn't tell us how high the grass can grow in your front lawn. God's law doesn't tell you how fast you can drive in a school zone. There's things we can decide among ourselves, but there are other things, if you're serious about your faith, that you don't get to decide. And it doesn't matter if all of us say, wait a second, we're in favor of this. If the God's law says, nope, that's, that's a no-go. That's, if you're serious about your faith, that's the way it is. <clears throat> democracy doesn't recognize God's law. So trying to give democracy to the Muslim nations of the Middle East was at best a fool's errand. And you might even look at it more clearly as an overt attack on their faith, on their religion. And the result, according to Putin, instead of a triumph of democracy and progress, we got violence, poverty, and social disaster. And nobody cares about human rights, including the right to life. Do you realize what you have done? And again, he's talking about bringing forward what we now call terrorists. The Russian president added that the power vacuum following these revolutions led to the rise of terrorists. What are terrorists? I know they're barbarians and they're brutal and there's a bunch of things that can be said about them and against them. And I'm not here to defend them. But we are caught in a situation where a government says, oh, oh, we've got to fight against terrorists. We've got to fight against terrorists. Well, what is it? Define it, please. Tell me what terrorism is. And you can make a good case that modern concept of terrorism can be defined as merely conservative Muslims who are very serious about their faith, and they're not going to put up with any democracy. They understood, intellectually perhaps, or at least in their gut, that democracy was contrary to their faith. And insofar as they're serious about their faith, they are now holy warriors. They're fighting for what they believe God wants. And we sit back and say, oh, they're terrorists. Well, maybe they are. Maybe that's the term for them. Another term might be that they are, another term is radical Muslims, conservative Muslims, Muslims that are sincere in their faith. They're not secularists, that's for sure. But in any case, President Putin, he said, uh, the result of us trying to create democratic revolutions in the Middle East has been a power vacuum. The power vacuum is there when the, the new democratically elected governments try to exert power in their country, and the people that are serious in the Muslim faith, they say, we're not going to listen to you. In fact, we may even chop your head off. And again, I'm not here to defend terrorism, but I am here to say this is equivalent to going ahead and seeing if you can convert a grizzly bear. <laughs> you know, take a, 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 a starving grizzly bear and walk up and offer him some hay and explain to him that if you learn how to eat grass and process grass, you can live a peaceful life. And the grizzly bear is going to say, you know, you sure look tasty. 
the grizzly bear isn't going to eat the grass. And whether you came up with the best intentions of the world or you're just trying to fool the grizzly bear is irrelevant. The grizzly bear is going to decide to eat you. Our attempt, our claim to give democracy to the Middle East has been a fool's errand, and it has laid the foundation for much of what we now call terrorism. We've messed with their faith. They've come back, and they've, and they've reacted to it. Um, Putin is correctly saying, look, what are you people thinking about? Look at what you've done. Wake up. You can't just walk in the door and say, hi, we're here from America, and we're here to show you the one true God. They aren't going to buy it. And you can't sell it. And yet that's what we're trying to do. Or at least that's what we claim to be trying to do. Our government claims to be trying to do. And we act as if this is such a surprise that it's turned into a debacle in the Middle East. Here's another part of this same article. It says in an earlier speech at the United Nations, President Barack Obama... <laughs> said it would be a mistake to think that Syria could be stable under President uh, Assad. Now, the Russians, they're fighting for Assad, and the United States wants Assad thrown out. And Obama says Syria can't be stable under Assad. Well, Assad's been president of Syria for 15 years. That's evidence of stability. He's been able to resist U.S. efforts to have him removed from power for a couple of years. That's evidence of stability. If we want a stable Siberia, Siberia, why don't we butt out and leave Syria to the Syrians? And what, pray tell, is the American interest in whether Syria is or is not stable? What do I care whether Syria is stable or not? It's not my problem. It's not my business. All right? What business is it of ours whether Syria is or isn't stable? Why are we meddling in Assad's regime? And the answer may be, have something to do with oil pipelines that may cut across to Syria, depending on how things go. And we're not meddling to give people democracy. We're not meddling to give them freedom or liberty. We're meddling to make a fast buck, and not just make a fast buck, but to steal a fast buck. That's what we're really there for, and we're one. And we call the people who resist us terrorists. Again, I'm not here to defend them, and I'm not certainly not here to defend the Muslim faith. But you know, if you're dealing with a grizzly bear, use your head. Stay away. Bear will have you for dinner if you don't watch your step. Um, acknowledging some of the criticism lobbed at Russia's proposal, Putin said his country is only proposing to help save the world from terrorism. Well, I would guess, you know, everybody's here to save us from the terrorists. But I'm waiting to see someone define what the terrorists are. Here they had another article on Obama. And I said, read more Obama at the UN. And quote, I won't hesitate to use force. This is Obama. He's telling the people at the U.N. he won't hesitate to use force. Now, you may remember President Obama when he was first elected into office back in, what, 2008? He wound up winning the Nobel Peace Prize. How many wars has our peaceful president been engaged in? 
And here we have our peaceful Nobel Prize, Peace Prize winner telling the UN he won't hesitate to use force. In fact, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for being black. That's why he got the Peace Prize. And it's one of the most shameful moments for the Nobel Prize Committee in their history. They've had a couple others. Al Gore. I don't know. I don't know who runs the Nobel Peace Prize or the Nobel Prize Committee any longer, but it used to be I think they were perhaps on the up and up. More recently they appear to have been politically motivated. Um, Putin, he warned the international policy toward the region led to an Islamic state with plans to go further than simply dominating the Middle East. And Putin went on to say, we believe that any attempts to play games with terrorists, let alone to arm them, are not just short-sighted but hazardous. Who's been arming terrorists? We have. Yeah, we've been arming terrorists. Um, ISIS is allegedly moving around on scores of Humvees. We just left for them. I don't know how many other weapons they've got from us that were perhaps abandoned when we were there in the Middle East. We have effectively armed ISIS. We have, there are claims that we've helped arm Al-Qaeda. All right, we helped arm the, the revolutionaries, the uh, terrorists, put your own label on them, who overthrew Libya. The government of Libya and Colonel Gaddafi and, and, and murdered him. <sighs> Putin is probably correct. You're going to arm these lunatics, they're going to come back to haunt you. Yeah. Um, this may well result in a global terrorist threat increasing dramatically and engulfing new regions. That, according to Putin, and I would say that's one of Putin's real interests in all of this. We're going to have the terrorists out of the Middle East. It's almost inevitable. I mean, they're relatively close to Russia. And they're close to countries that are associated with Russia. And in the end, as annoying as Muslims may be coming into this country and threatening this country, I think Russia has more to fear, more reason to be concerned with Muslims than we do. And I have a suspicion that Putin is concerned that the Muslims, they're coming to Russia before this is all over. And he'd rather stop them back there in the Middle East than let them come all the way back home. So we'll watch and we'll see, but this whole thing is a certain amount of sock puppet drama. Um, some of it's stupid, some of it's honest. Putin is correct. Do you realize what you've done? I think it's an intelligent question. I think, you know... Putin is no saint, but in the world of politics that we have today, yeah, I get the impression that Putin, if he's brutal, he's at least honest. I don't get the impression that the man is filled with deception and guile. I don't get the impression that he's laughing up his sleeve while he's feeding you a crock of lies. I think he works with the truth as much as it is in a, in a very realistic way, an objective way, not a Christian way. Right? He, he deals with politics as it comes. Our leaders, I, uh, they're there to deceive us, not to tell us the truth, but deceive us. And for that reason, Putin strikes me as one of the few politicians in the world today that commands a measure of respect. 
Um, not honor necessarily, but respect. You've got to respect the guy. I think he's trying to tell the truth at least a lot of the time. Let's take another break for more commercials. Melody and I will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival. provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes the nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time, tincture, and tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International 704-875-8010 or online at thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Cedarstrom on financial survival. What's next, Melody? Well, we were talking during the break about here Iran is going to issue Islamic Treasury bills, this version of short-term sovereign debt. For the first time on Monday, they're trying to provide a fresh fiscal stimulus for its cash-strapped economy. I don't know. They're going to be getting a, you know, over $100 billion from the U.S. pretty soon. So, But they're only going to do about $300 million worth of the Treasury bills, a Sharia law-compliant way for the government to raise money. So, you know, <laughs> you're going to be hearing this uh, being pitched to investors saying what a great deal this is going to be once, uh, you know, all these barriers are open to Iran. You know, hey, it'll be a good deal. So, you know, buy it while you can. You know, it'll be another scam and so forth. But Well, it's, I'm not sure that I understand what's happening here, but 
if they are going to try to set up some sort of a funding right. activity that yep. is contrary to the Muslim faith. But it's going to be Sharia law compliant. Well, if it is, then I guess it'll be okay. <laughs> oh yeah, they're going to yeah, they'll, <clears throat> tra- they'll change it to make it okay. I mean, hey, they've been. Uh, no, I don't think I think they really do have to maintain that. Um, they have become just an out-and-out theocracy. Well, most of them, and they don't dare cross the Muslim faith in a significant way, at least not within the, the within each of their sects. Uh, you got the Sharia and what's the other one? I don't recall. But there are a number. Sharia. There are a couple of them, but two. Pardon me. That their law is the Sharia law. Not for all of them. That Sharia is one of the sects, and I can't recall. Well, the it's other. the largest. Yeah. Well, it, uh, they're not just because you're the largest doesn't mean you're the craziest. You know, sometimes out of little nutcases, giant fanatics grow. Uh, any case, we they have a problem because they're caught. This is this goes to cultural things again. You know, we talk about that on this program uh, lately in the last couple of weeks. How your how important your cultural your culture and your cultural values are to determining whether you're going to have any freedom, you're going to have any liberty, you're going to have any prosperity. It goes to culture, and you must learn to understand your own culture where you can look at some parts of it and say, this is nonsense, we can't tolerate this, and try to get it out of your culture and other parts of your culture. You've got to hang on to and to recognize, honor, and defend because they keep you alive. That system of values can keeps you keep you alive. The Muslims are a classic example of a culture that is not going to provide you with significant prosperity in this world. They have become so theocratic. There was a time when the Muslims generated algebra, for example. These were five centuries ago, maybe in that vicinity, maybe more. But they were brilliant people. Now they, ge- they, they hardly generate any books. I've seen one report that something like only 10 books were produced by Muslim countries in the last year or so. I don't know if that was just for one Muslim country, like Iran, or if it was for the whole Muslim, uh, the Muslim community. But they are so obsessed and fanatical about their faith that they can't, they can't prosper. Now, they're not going to mind that. They're going to sit back and say, this is a price we gladly pay for our faith. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. If you want to choose a particular culture and you want to say that we're going to do things this way because we are more interested in serving Allah than we are in serving the almighty dollar or chasing whatever, um, fine, I don't have an objection. But you have to understand that when you pick that culture, you are going to live in poverty, live in or near poverty. You're going to be, you're going to find yourself hard pressed to find prosperity, significant material prosperity, when you have that system of values. Now, I know there are Muslims in this country that are doing well and they're 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 prospering, but you put them in a true Muslim community, they prosper because they're in a Christian country. They prosper because, to some degree. They're willing to associate with and even emulate Christians. But if you want to be a pure Muslim, take that vow of poverty. You want to embrace that culture. Well, that's what we have. <clears throat> that's what we see evidence of with the Muslims. They carry it with them. They're going to move to Europe. They're going to invade Europe. And, and Europe says, oh, come on down. There's, there's, lots, there's plenty for all of us. No, there's not. 
The Muslims will go to Europe and most of them will remain Muslims. They will not be prosperous. They'll take advantage of whatever welfare Europe can provide and they'll produce 20 babies per family. And before you know it, Europe is going to be a Muslim nation, Muslim area, and then they'll kill whatever Christians remain. Cultures matter. And we have to begin to see the significance of the cultures that each of us carry with us. You know, we all think we can go someplace and still be us. I want to move to Uruguay. And I can move down there and I'll be an American. Everybody will love me. No, they won't. You're going to move to another country and you want to be a part of it. You've got to be absorbed. You've got to embrace their culture, which means you've got to turn your back on the culture you had before you got there. Or if you want to stay isolated and you don't want to be assimilated, fine. You can do that, but it's going to make life more, in some regards, more stressful, less prosperous, uh, more antagonistic. Anyway, culture matters, and if you're going to bring foreign cultures and pollute your own and disparage your own, you're going to lose whatever your culture is provided. I'm completely, I keep saying you must learn to recognize the fundamental values of your culture that once made this a great nation, once made people prosperous, and could do so again if we can grab onto our American culture, resurrect it, and respect it, preserve it, honor it, defend it. If we don't, Kiss it all goodbye. We got um, Thomas sent us a note. He says uh, he listens to the program uh, every day at the end of his day. He says your our insight into the way our Western economy failing is failing is spot on. Uh, some of our guests talking about killing off NAFTA that would be fine. From north of the border, NAFTA has not done us any favors. The, the Keystone fiasco is just one of the deals that, from our perspective, have conned us into believing that we have had a real partnership with the U.S. The current and previous administrations have made us question that. As many commentators have said, America has forgotten its friends. Yeah. He says he hopes that changes in the future. Thanks, Tom. Yep, appreciate the email. But America has not only forgotten its friends. America has forgotten its culture. Truth. America has forgotten itself. While people try to Faith. tell us, oh, we mean multiculturalism and all cultures are the same and you need to respect bunk. I don't need to respect a culture that'll get me that'll cause me to be dead by the time I'm forty five years old. I don't need to respect a culture that'll put my children into into poverty and subservience. I don't need to respect that. We we urinate on those cultures. I do not respect them. All right? We need to remember our friends. We need to remember our culture. And someone else, I guess... We need to the, remember our faith. We need to remember well, our really, God. That's, that's, goes, that's central. It's central to, mm-hmm. the, to the cult. You know, people talk about it. You'll hear once in a while, even Obama has referred to the term American exceptionalism. It's the idea that America is an exceptional country, the exceptional country, all right, and that it's fundamentally different from countries in other parts of the world. But nobody ever explains the basis of that exceptionalism. And the basis of that exceptionalism, and we're no longer uh, exceptional in my opinion. Oh, we, get, we have certain advantages and the rest of that sort of thing. We still throw our weight around, but we're no longer exceptional in the sense that we were. 
Why? Because we've, found, we've forgotten fundamental values. And we can trace fundamental values back to the Declaration of Independence. Second sentence says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, but among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Everybody's heard it. Nobody understands it. We are the only country in the Western world in at least 2,000 years to declare that every man and woman and ultimately even unborn child are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That rendered all of us into the status of being sovereigns, individual sovereigns, a topic that the government disparages and criticizes and tries to make sound like it's crazy. But the truth of the matter is, Supreme Court Chisholm versus Georgia back in, oh, 1789, thereabouts, I don't recall the date on Chisholm versus Georgia, but a Supreme Court case very early on, they declared that the people of the United States of America were sovereigns plural, without subjects. If you're a sovereign, I'm a sovereign, Melody's a sovereign, all right, then the government is our servant. If you're not a sovereign, the government is your master. This country started with the unprecedented principle that we were all given rights from God and that rendered all each of us a sovereign. And that made government our public servant, not our master. That was unprecedented, and it was the basis for American exceptionalism. That's why. We're the only country that's done in 2,000 years. closest thing prior to that was the Hebrew nation after they came out of, in the Exodus after they left Egypt, and they all believed themselves to be directly under God. They didn't believe other people were, but they thought they were. It was the closest thing. They were essentially saying the Hebrews were the Solomons. They got their rights directly from God. They didn't have a king. They didn't have, they had leaders, but they didn't have a king. It was only later they decided to take the king, one sovereign, instead of ever being sovereign. It was stupid. It was a terrible, terrible choice. We have done something like that in this country. We've walked away from the basis for American sovereignty, a basis for American exceptionalism. And some people still talk about American exceptionalism. They use the term, but they won't tell you what it means, where it came from. That's what it was about. And we aren't going to be exceptional. We can't be, we are no longer exceptional because we have forgotten that part of our culture. We've forgotten that fundamental value. We've forgotten this was the idea, land of the free. Why were we free? Because you are sovereign. I'm a sovereign. Melody's a sovereign. We got our rights from God. And they were therefore unalienable. No one could take what God had given to us. Right? These were above and beyond man's control, above and beyond the control of any democracy or, or secular, uh, secular government. <clears throat> We've lost that. But if we were to go back to it, if we took a, took a moment or a month or however long it takes to roll it over in the back of our mind and think, wait a second. But still in our Declaration of Independence, we could still reassert those God-given unalienable rights. We, we could teach our children. We could teach our neighbors. We could teach ourselves. We could reassert that we, we are entitled to those rights by God, not by government, not by the Congress, but by God, and that government was therefore our servant rather than our master. We could do that, and we could restore the land to the free. But this is cultural values. You want to get the land of the free back? Would you like? Then you need the values of the land of the free. 
and you're not going to get them from Washington, D.C. You're not going to get them from your fiat currency. You're not going to get them from your local banker or corporations. You know, back and read documents like the Declaration of Independence and realize what it meant and understand that, and then we can go back. We can record, we can restore freedom, liberty, prosperity. You can do it, but you've got to start by changing your system of values. Frank helped out our producer. I was trying to think of the Shia and the uh, the second major sect. As Frank points out, it was uh, Shiite and Sunni. Uh, and that's the fundamental schism in the in the Muslim faith. There's more, but those are the two big opposing sects, Shiite and Sunni. So, but they still follow Sharia law. Say the truth, I don't tribes. know. I was I, mean, I was tribes. actually thinking I was I was, I was using separate tribes. I was, confused, I was confusing the term Shiite and Sharia, and so I was making a mistake. So I don't know if they're all into Sharia or they are not no, all into Sharia. It's yes, like the Catholic and Protestant, blah, blah, blah. No, the Shiite and Sunnis are tribes, but they still follow Sharia law. But, but coming back to our law, we just got about another minute left. I just wanted to do a brief report today that uh, for uh, buying homes, and again, these are another signs that things are not doing well, and if you believe these numbers, so, you know, you have to think that, you know, things are a little worse off than the numbers that are released, but the National Association of Realtors today said that uh, there's fewer Americans that are buying homes in August, and uh, so we're beginning to see a slump in that area, and that's the the big area that moves this economy, supposedly, and uh, it's a big deal, and um, so you have... uh, uh, signed contracts to purchase homes. They've climbed over the past 12 months, but yet they fell 1.4% last month. Medium home sales price increased 4.7% over the past year. And, of course, a lot of this, which is interesting, you have people who invested their down payment savings in stocks. So they're suffering all these losses. I mean, you have the S&P that's been down over 10% since the beginning of last month. So I mean those are those are big moves and you know if you put your money in there um you know they're losing and highly unlikely they'll recapture those losses so they're going to be buying a home and if rates begin to increase nobody's going to be buying any homes also the uh, upscale food market whole foods uh they're going to be cutting about 1500 jobs or about 1.6% of its workforce they're trying to bring down costs and, of course, you know, they'll be eliminating the full-timers, of course, and management. And they're also trying to become a little bit uh, uh, better you know, using technology in order to uh, save some money in the long run. So um, I think we're out of time, but I wanted to bring those two up before we left today. Okay, we are out of time. Melody and I are leaving. We will be back manana in the meantime with the good Lord. Hope you'll tune in again tomorrow. In the meantime, may the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. never seems to be a single penny left for me. Left you fast in my dreams. I have a 
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L A N S E T dot com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating, gasoline reserves are low, and the price is rising. World events are, at best, uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret All right, everybody. Welcome to Freedom Call. 
Moon Day again, 27th. Wow, we're getting close uh, to the end of the Feast of Tabernacle, which is the last great day, or telling us this represents the final judgment day. Those of us who have embraced the Messiah uh, are judged only for our merits, uh, for our glory. Those who have not and have refused, and the uh, period has gone through where of atonement didn't happen. Christ is uh, on the earth a thousand years refused, then you get judged for all of your sins. I don't want to be around for that one. So, more than that, uh, today, I have uh, been bothered by a stinging report, and I think it supports, we need to get our troops out of Afghanistan. And, uh, I'll tell you why. I have uh, before, but I'm going to get much deeper in the next few minutes. What are we doing there? We completely ripped al-Qaeda. The CIA acknowledges there's not more than 50 al-Qaeda left in all of Afghanistan. Al-Qaeda has relocated in Yemen. So, obviously, all of our troops, those of the United Nations, NATO, Great Britain, they aren't there because of uh, of some great, uh, never has been, an accusation of weapons of mass destruction they're not there because of some evil tyrant. We put Karzai uh, in as president. His dad, it goes all the way back to Karzai's, uh, came and were friends with Eisenhower. They came and visited uh, JFK. And so now son Karzai is president. His brother runs uh, for 8,400 tons of opiates every year, and the 93% of the world's opiates, which is heroin, is provided by Afghanistan. What are we doing there? When we weren't there, who was in charge? I mean, I'm talking about once we got rid of the Russians. Now, who took over? Well, the Taliban did. This is a priest government. And somewhat like Iran. See, uh, Ahmadinejad is maybe president, but he doesn't run the government or the country. That's done by the Ayatollah. And so, when Taliban was running Afghanistan before uh, we went in and wiped everything clean with Minnie Bush, there was no measurable production of opiates, not even a kilo, which is 2.2 pounds. 
nothing. Because the Taliban said it was against the Holy Quran to manufacture it, to grow it, to distribute it, to have anything to do with it. And now, 93% of the world's opium comes out of Afghanistan, where we, the United States, Great Britain has said, we can't lose this war. So what are we doing there? Taliban isn't in charge anymore. Our people, our puppets are. What are we doing there? You've got a good friend of the United States, Pakistan, which is just next door. I mean, Peshawar, which everybody's been to that's been in the business, uh, is lies just in uh, Pakistan, major gateway into Afghanistan. So, cannot Pakistan keep an eye on Afghanistan? What are we doing there? So, what happens to Americans? Well, you know, all of the years I spent sleeping on the ground, killing the wrong people, I never saw the media. There wasn't any media, because where we operated, the media didn't want to go. I mean, you got some unshaven men in camouflage, an army of, of Cambodians that are ruthless in these denied areas. There aren't any American troops. Whoops. Uh, what do you call uh, the Green Beret or Special Forces? So you don't need to feed them. You don't need to support them. Didn't see media anywhere. Now, the things that went on, a lot of them, I just, I don't want to remember. Now, I can remember them, but I don't want to. They're very uncomfortable. I've confessed some of them to you, where huge mistakes have been made. Hundreds of people, innocent women, children, non-combatants, have been maimed or killed. This is war without media. Now, now we have the media embedded with all of the uh, units that are over there. So the media has got to, you've got surprises that need to be won. You've got news media that has to be paid. Those people have to make up a story if there isn't one. And so now, with every patrol, with every operation, you've got media with uh, cameras, you've got telephones, cell phones, iPhones, Blackberry, Blueberry, Dingleberry, whatever, with cameras. And so we're recording what was always hidden before in clandestine in the shadows of warfare. Now, today, there's an Article 32. Article 32 is a grand jury. It's where charges and uh, evidence is presented to see if there is sufficient 
cause for court-martial. And they have uh, three different, well, four different kinds, really. You've got non-judicial punishment, which is called Article 13. You have a summary court, which is one officer, a field grade officer, which means major, uh, up to, to brigadier general. You have a special court-martial, or you have a general court-martial. Now, the higher the court-martial, uh, the more options for punishment. General court-martial, uh, if it is something uh, like espionage or murder, they can issue the death penalty. If it is a special court-martial, then... Uh, they can't do that as much as they can do is put you in prison six months. Take all your stripes away. Take all your money away. If it is a summary court martial, it's only 30 days they can put you in jail. They can take a stripe. They can take a month's worth of pay. But this Article 32 will be for general court martial. The Army has already charged five soldiers with first-degree murder of Afghan civilians, non-combatants, women, children, and said that these five soldiers murdered them just for sport took their body parts like hairs and other uh, items and cut them up and kept them for souvenirs that these soldiers took trophy photos of their work and that they were proud of this. That there was this little clique of soldiers under a Staff Sergeant Gibbs and that uh, this unit comes out of Fort Lewis. So right now, Fort Lewis is Seattle, Tacoma. And it was uh, the fifth striker unit. These are infantrymen out of Fort Lewis, Washington. And uh, they are being charged with the most heinous of crimes. Now, I want to explain to you something. In war, especially if you're isolated, meaning that if Sergeant Gibbs' unit was inside of a uh, some kind of fortified area and they were responsible for patrolling uh, let's say, five-mile radius around that area. A lot of that is area control so that, and the soldiers don't know this. They're not part of this. But that open, when you have 8,400 tons, this is metric tons, 2,200 pounds per ton, of opium that you are moving across Afghanistan 
into the crown of Iran, across the northern parts of Iran, into Turkey, you've got to secure a lot of that ground and make sure that there is not some warlord group, some enemy group, some group from uh, Turkestan, uh, one of these other uh, one-time Soviet public, uh, don't interfere. Because when you're on the caravan down the old silk road, sounds like something Dean Crosby, uh, you know, and Bob Hope would have done a movie about. But that's the name of it. That's what the... the uh, the English Trading Company used to call it the Old Silk Road, and it's been there since Napoleon's time. When Great Britain owned Turkey, it was all called. Uh, sorry about that. I'm talking about India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, all was one country, and India owned it. They ran uh, this stuff and into the Orient. It was called the same road they used today. And, of course, Great Britain needed and wanted to uh, conquer Afghanistan. That's all about Gunga Din and uh, so much of his writings. He's one of my favorite uh, authors, poet, short story writer, new soldiers. More part, he wanted to conquer Afghanistan. All these people, Afghanistan, poorest country, right in there with Chad. And some of these countries that you just don't want to think about because they are so poor. And yet nobody has been able to conquer. Now, we're the current conquerors. We're occupied. It's like the Russians. What's the difference between us and the Russians? The Russians came in, put their own government in, coal. America comes in, we put our own government in, coal. The difference is opium. We got a record, you know, in the old Burma triangle, golden triangle, it was only 3,000 tons. Now it's up to 8,400. That's what we're doing there. And our soldiers are dead in the most murderous, the most heinous, the darkest, the most evil parts of warfare. Only it's different. Now, the media is everywhere. Well, friends, it's profession time again. Actually, I never thought to tell you these kinds of things until you got these five guys that are charged with first-degree murder. Killing these Afghans just for sport. You got seven soldiers at Fort Lewis that are being charged with covering it up. Five for murder, seven for trying to cover up what happened. Well, I got news for you. 
Do you know, do you remember Eli? Do you remember the name of Allie, second lieutenant, who ordered his platoon from the American Division to open fire on and kill 300 women, children, infants, shot in the ditches of roads? And who was the officer who just won? I mean, a court-martial Cali. And Captain Medina, the company commander, he got away. The battalion commander got away. Well, there uh, was a very famous black officer, Colonel Colin Powell, who was in charge of the corrupt and me lie. But it was just too big. And too many people knew about it. One helicopter pilot tried to use his helicopter as a way of blocking and getting in between members of Cali's platoon, machine gunning, babies, and little children, and old men and women in the road ditches. Finally, he, he landed chopper. He physically runs out screaming, yelling, knocking people down. It was obvious that was murderous. And you know, nobody went to jail except Calais was placed under home arrest. It's too big. Colin Powell tried to cover it up and uh, couldn't. But oh, look what happened to him. Four stars. Secretary of State. <laughs> So he's certainly known as a team player. Let me tell you what happens in war. We, as special operations, were given a denied area. This was an area that nobody was opposed to when no friendly forces. Americans were, because of borders, uh, not we were never there. So my messenger said, they gave the Medal of Honor. Uh, to a guy who was killed in Laos, and yet, of course, we were there. But now, uh, Obama says, oh, listen, all these years have gone by, you know, back in the early 70s or late 60s, we, uh, I told you about it, we got to recognize uh, this guy, Harold. He was on top of a hill, a radar operator, in the Air Force, and he fought off uh, Vietnamese that were swarming all over the hill like fire ants in Texas. And uh, he died, of course. Well, in special ops, that's why they are called uh, ops, because they were all above top secret. Nobody could whisper a word. We had to make sure we didn't have any identification in case we were captured or we were lost. I don't know how many times I've had aircraft shot down. I've lost soldiers. And I had to say, oh, I was lost. I was off course. I didn't know where I was. Well, we would, for example, set up 
I mean, this, you may say this is sick, but we would uh, put a card table. Uh, we'd bury maybe uh, four, uh, eight inch, which is 212 pounds, uh, eight inch, uh, have a uh, round is 212 pounds, very like a uh, four-up rig on a booby trap uh, with a army field table which set some uh, more Vietnamese uh, bodies after rig of mortis and we'd put them in position of setting. We'd set them in field chairs. We'd put a radio on top of the uh, table. This would be a major uh, trail intersection that we knew uh, the North Vietnamese were using. We would get there, we would set this thing up very quickly, and then we'd fly away at a distance because we'd turn the radio up as loud as it would go uh, on some uh, Vietnamese music station. Then all of a sudden, there would be this huge uh, cloud of like four eight-inch round landing at one time. That's over 800 pounds of high explosives encased in steel. And uh, what would have happened is the enemy would have come along and hear all this music. They look, they see these uh, soldiers sitting there at the table, maybe sometimes with cards in their hand. We did all kinds of things to try to, we call it car baby, to try to car baby uh, these guys into walking into booby traps. You're not supposed to uh, set booby traps. Uh, that's against the rules of land warfare uh, to mine bodies so when the enemy picks them up, uh, another three or four enemy soldiers are killed trying to recover some of their dead or wounded. We gave uh, the Australians, they use swagger sticks. And so we used femur bone from North Vietnamese uh, with a uh, brass inscription of our Special Operations Code uh, unit on there uh, when the SAS, Special Air Service, Aussies would be transferred back. I had five of them always uh, that was maintained even though they'd go home after a while and get replacements, keep the five SAS men. And uh, we used deeper bones, and we all thought that was funny. That was good. There were skulls everywhere. I had a colonel in special forces that called me up and said, how many dead bodies have you got, Bull? And then he would tell me, I'm sitting in a helicopter, all those dead bodies on there. And I'd go back to the headquarters, like in Benoit, and say, we're all, what you do with all the bodies? And he would open drawers in his desk, and they'd be full of bones, and there would be skulls sitting all around, with cigarettes between their teeth, with a green beret with a second lieutenant bar. And he would say, it's the real world, boy, look at this. You know, here's a SF colonel, the guy's crazy. Yes, 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 we were crazy. Yes, that kind of war is crazy. Get the damn media out of there and let war be war, 
or get the soldiers out of there. And I vote for the latter. Get our soldiers back here. This ought to be part of the package. I'm sick and tired of seeing special forces court-martial because they shoot and kill with a sniper one of those wanted dead or alive. Well, this is not a good one surrender, you know. I'm sick and tired of seeing five guys general court-martial today and seven guys trying to cover it up. Get the soldiers away from such things. The devil is in the middle of this, especially when your main focus is peril. And so I say it's time that we Americans take this country back. We begin by educating all these cubes, this human dung. We get rid of it in Congress. And God does we demand that if we're going to send our military, there be a proper reason. And so we need to get them home and stop this stuff. All right, we've got to take a little bit of a pause. So I'll be right back with you. Just stay on American Boys Radio. I've got some really provocative, interesting things to discuss. Soldiers were 
salt were once made with this valuable commodity. It contains 70 to 84 calcium elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at $4.75 U.S. or under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships for your order or call 800-581-8906. Order today. The U.S. dollar has been served or low. Prices rise. are at best uncertain. How would you compare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you walked up to the U.S. dollar and had the buying power of a penny? Call Smith America at 1-800-5-COIN for free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-5-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646. And mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. American Voice Radio Network from Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 on Galaxy 19, same network, double the voices. Kim Il-sung, 
Uh, now, Ken Olson was the man who, uh, in 1950, went south for the summer and began the Korean War. Now, we fought that war until Panjum uh, divided everything into the 38th parallel between North and South Korea. And Americans still occupy today what's known as DMZ, the militarized zone. There never has been peace. There is no peace treaty between North and South Korea. Now, Kim Il-sung had a son, Kim Jong-il. And uh, Kim, by the way, in Korea means bold. Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. Is, uh, has been there. Since Kim Il-sung died, Kim Jong-il has been uh, the leader. They don't vote over in North Korea. It is communist. And uh, North Korea probably, uh, they have an atomic bomb. Uh, they have a lot of things. They're the most secretive society, the most strict society, uh, on the planet, they make Iran uh, look like Knoxbury Farm or Disneyland, east or west, if you pick. Anyway, uh, now uh, Kim Jong Il is ill uh, with the double L instead of just one L, and uh, he has made his choice to secede him. Succeed him, CCB, that's probably what ought to happen. But his youngest, he has three sons. And uh, his youngest is the most militant. And so he promoted his youngest son, who knows nothing about leadership, nothing about uh, matters of state. Because as children of Kim Jong-il and Grandpa Kim Il-sung, you were completely isolated. And so now this boy is promoted to four-star general. So he will be in a, a launch position when the devil cannot stand having Kim Jong-il around anymore and uh, calls him to hell, then uh, we'll have a four-star general boy that has zero idea of government. And I'm not so when you look around, I mean, is this good or bad? Well, God knows and time will tell. Now, in talking about... Uh, Things like that, it uh, takes me back, and I, I mentioned Colin Powell before. Listen, Colin Powell, uh, I think, was a good soldier. As a colonel in the American Division, uh, his commanding general told him to cover up uh, me line, and so uh, Colin Powell did that until it couldn't be covered up anymore. And uh, Colin Powell was always known as a team player. 
So the next thing you know, uh, you promote these guys until all of a sudden uh, they're completely out of the zone of uh, having to uh, be account, accountable for any crimes. Now, another guy was Alexander Haig. <laughs> I was on the Army General Staff when I got back from Vietnam. And uh, uh, when I came back, I went through uh, 77 weeks of Chinese. Now, the normal course is 47 weeks, but they gave me an extra 30 weeks because they needed somebody to go over uh, with Nixon because Nixon thought he was going to go over and establish uh, an embassy. Now, remember, he was the first uh, president to go over to China uh, and he, I mean, he actually spoke to the Chinese and now doing all this stuff. Well, uh, Nixon was an optimist because there was no way red Chinese were going to establish an embassy, and we didn't have any generals that spoke uh, Chinese, so uh, they sent me to extra school so that I would have the ability to start a military attaché's uh, office over in Regina. Give me a break. I've been decorated 62 times for power for killing people, and they're going to have a special forces intelligence uh, uh, operative as uh, over in China as their military attaché. No way. <laughs> But, see, that was the way people thought back in those days. Well, remember Alexander Haig? He ended up being Ronald Reagan's uh, Secretary of State. Remember that? And when Reagan was shot uh, the last day of March of the year that he was inaugurated in just uh, two months, well, February, January, February, March, uh, he was inaugurated January 20th. He was shot uh, the 30th day of March. And uh, uh, Alexander Haig said, don't worry, everything's okay, I'm number three. He thought, he actually thought that as Secretary of State, uh, he was President of the United States until Daddy Bush uh, could get back. Daddy Bush was away. Completely forgot about the Speaker of the House. That's what we got to think about. we got to get rid of Pelosi. Give me a break. You want Pelosi? She's number three. Look at who's number two, Biden. Come on. And then read. Get out of town. we got nobody. we got to change them all. And time is just like our last. The last few brains seem to fall faster, don't they? Well, hey, the first week of November, how long is it? We're at the end of September. We got one, basically one month. And what I say is real simple. If they're incumbent, get rid of them. Who do you put in? Anybody. I know it sounds weird, but we are at a very weird and challenging time. Now, one of these people, and so, by the way, about uh, Alex Haig, you talk about what 
Kim Jong-il did with his younger son. His youngest son, his uh, last son, the third son. He made him a four-star general today. Well, Alex Haig was a colonel. He was over to White House working for Kissinger. And I was on the Army General Staff. One of my jobs was to keep up with these uh, very important people. I maintained dossiers. So uh, uh, if Hoover wanted to know something, you know, we'd have it if he didn't. Anyway, Alexander Haig got promoted by Kissinger. Who the heck was Kissinger? Got promoted by Kissinger so fast, we could not keep a photograph current of Alex Haig. And the next thing you know, he was colonel to four-star general. And uh, he went over to uh, uh, Fort uh, Meyer, uh, which is in Virginia, that's where the old guard is headquartered. And uh, the officers club over there is where all the big VIPs went for breakfast and uh, meetings and this kind of stuff. That's where the chief of staff of the Army uh, lived and this kind of stuff. So all of the generals that had so much time in grade, their hair was white, you know, they'd come up through the ranks. And here was Haig that one day had been a colonel, now he's a four-star general, that their way of uh, expressing uh, their distaste and dislike for political appointments is that when Haig stepped in the room to go up, he was not only made a four-star general, he was also made vice chief of staff. That means the number two guy in the whole army, the first guy being the chief of staff of the army, and then he was the vice chief. All of the, the generals pushed their napkins off the table at the same time. Now, you got to remember this. This is a high level. See, for me, in Special Forces, I know how to get to them. What you do is you call uh, these people weenies. I don't know why, but they hate uh, being called a weenie. Well, when you don't dare utter a word, because all of these, there were more than 100 generals there at Fort Myer Officer Club. All these generals couldn't say nothing, so you wouldn't boo him. So you just push your napkin. I mean, anybody could drop their napkin. Only all of them hit the ground at the same time. So that's the high-level way. Only we got to do more than that. You see, what we do is we step in that little booth, and we look at that ballot. We look to see who the <laughs> is, or maybe a little bit, or maybe a bother to read some of the junk that's done through the mail now. And then you know who not to vote for. And we've got to get these troops home. I mean, this is uh, totally ridiculous. I want to discuss uh, uh, the Tea Party, of course, uh, has uh, is brand new. I mean, it's uh, just like uh, taking a tea set right out of the box. I mean, they haven't even hardly had time uh, for uh, to make uh, tea. But they have because... Uh, the fruits of the Tea Party, they have an extraordinarily high number of candidates that they have 
supported who have beaten incumbents, which just doesn't happen, and are in the general election. They're all Republicans that I know of. And one of them is from Delaware. And uh, her, uh, she seems to be a nice enough uh, person. O'Donnell, uh, Christine O'Donnell is her name. She's young. She's very nice looking. She's not a blonde. I like Sarah Palin. Christine, however, she's a Republican, only she is the child. She's the first daughter of uh, the Tea Party. And she's representing the Republican nominee. She beat uh, the Republican GOP nominee. And she is a Tea Party person from Delaware. And so we're going to vote. They're going to be in Delaware. They're going to get a chance to vote for Ms. O'Donnell. Now, what they've done is the Democrats have uh, really jumped on her because they're afraid of her. She looks like a 19-year-old girl to me. And unfortunately, she talks kind of like a 19-year-old. Uh, Only I've known some pretty smart uh, 19-year-olds. But uh, Christine uh, O'Donnell has... Uh, not only said that she uh, dabbled and studied and practiced uh, witchcraft, she admitted uh, having uh, knelt at the altar of Satan and this kind of crap. Things she should, I mean, the media has her because they've gone back, they've been looking for skeletons, and you like going through Colonel John Hayes' office, Baron uh, Benoit, you open up uh, the uh, you know, the, the steel locker, and here's a bunch of skeletons and skulls and, and bones in there. Uh, they've done the same thing with Christine O'Donnell as far as looking into her past. So they ask her, were you or were you not a witch? Did you study this uh, wicked business? Uh, did you uh, worship Satan and this kind of stuff? Well, she's admitted, yeah, here she is, a Republican, uh, a candidate for U.S. Senator. Well, now today, they see this young girl made a statement last week. And I mentioned it to you, it was like Thursday, as late as Thursday last week. She said, no more national interviews. And I, and I said on this radio program, God be praised. If Christine O'Donnell will keep her mouth shut, she may beat the Democrat and put a, and have a chance uh, to become a good senator from the great state of Delaware. But it's not easy keeping your mouth shut. <laughs> now the media is broadcasting that not only has she knelt at the altar of Satan uh, trying to get to the uh, Republicans that might vote for her, but that she doesn't believe in evolution. Well, all that, I need to explain this to you. I really do because one, I this is on the news today, and uh, a lot of people will tell you, well, 
I, in other words, Christine O'Donnell is saying, I believe only in creationism. God did everything, did it all in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And so Christine, in her mind, can see Monday, whoops, Sunday's first day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, or Friday, and then God rests. Well, <laughs> that isn't the way that it is because now scientists come along and they say, hey, look at these bones. These bones uh, are from dinosaurs that we can carbon date that go back 25 million years or something like that. So then they say, you see, this whole God thing, creationism, isn't true. Because we can prove that uh, these, uh, you find things that have become stone. I mean, out here in Sandy Valley, it's all over the place. Because the earth has kind of turned upside down a few times. So whatever was down there is now up here on top. You see these striations. It looks like God's taking his fingers and, and gone through the, the sand. It's really beautiful. But it's a wonderful opportunity to see what is the different layers of soil. What was here in all of these different eons? Or is it less than 6,000 years? Well, Baptists will tell you it's less than 6,000 years. They've got uh, creationism museums. Uh, one in Kentucky, I think, my uh, you was saying, and uh, let's see, one in Texas. Now, uh, my brother is a pretty smart guy, uh, my half-brother, and uh, he is married to a Texas woman who uh, deals in uranium. I guess he uh, glows at night, I don't know. But a uh, pretty smart gal. And their girls were going in Phoenix, Arizona, to the Sikh school. The Sikhs as a religious uh, order, but they have good schools. They're Hindus, but they have good schools. So when they moved to Texas, uh, my brother didn't want to drop uh, his precious daughters, two of them, into the same pool of public education. So uh, he looked around. He couldn't. Uh, he was trying to find Sikhs. There were any Sikhs in Texas, I guess. Uh, so. He sends uh, them to a Christian school, and the Christian, I don't know if Baptist or Methodist, uh, they were one of the established churches, wasn't Catholic, and uh, they were teaching the girls. Everything was done in 6,000 years. So the girls came and asked uh, Mike, my brother, and their mom, uh, what's the truth? I mean, the Sikhs have told us that the earth is billions of years old. And now uh, these people are telling us that nothing is more than uh, less than 6,000 years. Well, my brother, very, very smart guy, what would you answer your inquisitive children? He said, call your Uncle Bo. <laughs> so the girls did, and I said, you know something? Rather than just Uncle Bo, the gospel of Uncle Bo, what I did is I had about 300 radio stations AMF in those days, 
And so I got the head of the Creation Museum in Texas to call on the radio and explain the whole concept that they have. And they have museums and places you can go uh, where, yes, God did all less than 6,000 years. Well, uh, I don't believe that, but here's what I believe. And here is why Christine O'Donnell should just, I mean, she's just not been on the earth long enough you know, to question these kind of things. But when you look, let's just take one story, for example. I'm looking at my clock, and I'm always running out of time. But I look and, and I see Adam and Eve. Were these the first two humans? Well, we know that uh, you know, in chapter 3, Genesis, you can see where God makes Adam in his image. He looks and he sees that it's not good for man to be alone. And so he puts, it's like Moses, he puts Adam in a deep sleep, takes a rib, and makes a woman. And uh, she is named Eve by him. Now then, they have a couple of children. Remember that? And one of those children is the first murderer. Now, if you remember, Eve gets seduced by Satan. And that's his seed. So God, after confronting him, runs him off and puts a mark on him. Cain. And... uh, Cain, it says, goes off into the land of Nod. Now, Nod in the language means the wanderers. And he married, he takes a wife. Now, who are these people? Well, evolution has a way. And God putting Adam and Eve on this earth in his image is also a way. God's time is not our time. You know, it says that one day to God is like a thousand years to us. And so that means that the times in the Bible are relative. God in sequence, if they were to put that, did this, 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 and this, and on the seventh day he rested. See, uh, unfortunately, this uh, beautiful O'Donnell girl from Delaware thinks it's all got to be done in six days, and then you rest. Uh, she thinks Sunday probably the last day of the week. Yeah, I'll one off Tomorrow, I'll jump right in the middle of this thing, and we will talk it through. And let's see if we can help uh, her a little bit. I think she's a good person, and I just hate to see the media eat her up when the media doesn't know what they're talking about. All right, now you stay with American Voice Radio. It's a love order. And uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow. But 100 men will test today, but only three. When the rain will rain, train to live on nature's land. Train in combat and a man, men who fight 
countries have denied Internet access for people during civil strife. The FCC seized in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attack. No one communication system can be dependent on keep there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KUN free air satellite system ABR. The ABR system includes receiver, an LMD, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on the road is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system $149.99. Call 541 2254659 or visit americanvoiceradio.com and click satellite system Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Meat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Chile, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed in chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. Your assets are paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com. Call 800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and family.
and welcome to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Benchadler, constitutional counselor and still all-around pain in the rear and bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Today is Monday, September 28, 2015. We obviously survived the catastrophic end of the Earth. That is the blood moon that occurred last night. Amazingly, here in Oregon, I actually got an opportunity to watch it, although by the time it rose above the horizon, it was already in full effect and um, just seemed to magically appear out of nowhere when it finally uh, made it high enough uh, above the haze that was on the horizon. It was quite interesting to watch. But no, we didn't all end. There's no need to run around like chickens with our heads cut off because uh, simply there was an eclipse. It was just a beautiful sight to see. This is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is we, of course, do give an exemption to those from media matters and Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as those government agents that are paid to listen to this show, because, after all, if we require them to think, well, that would create a hostile work environment. I don't want to be responsible for that. But for those of you that are not in that category, it's real simple. The number is 1-800-932-1980, or you may send an instant message via Yahoo Instant Messenger directly to your host at KC7AQK, as is our one. We'd like to open this show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy quote. Civil liberty is the status of the man who is guaranteed by law and civil institutions the exclusive employment of all his own powers for his own welfare, end quote. Now, who would have said that? Well, that would have been William Graham Summer, who lived from 1840 to 1910 and was an American academic and professor at Yale College, and for many years he had a reputation as one of the most influential teachers there, and we don't have people like that in great abundance anymore, which explains why so few people are educated to think like this man thought. Okay, there you go, my friends. We have 21 pages in our show newsletters, your calls, instant messages, and whatever else happens to come across the transom, and we will get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms. If you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, and an overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut, should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort.
And welcome back to the show. Uh, I apologize this week, my friends. Uh, for those of you that are regular listeners to the show, you know that approximately 11 weeks ago, or 10 and a half weeks, depending on which way you want to look at it, um, I shattered my left arm, uh, breaking it into at least five major breaks in, in the humerus and having to be pinned together with 14 pins and two plates, among other things. Last week, I had a little bit of a setback. I'm still not quite sure what's wrong, but hopefully this week I find out what's going on, and um, I'm in the chair again this week. I just can't stand being on my feet that long to do a show, so I apologize in advance. But I do remind you to remember that despite that fact, my job is very simple. It is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable, and I do it by asking those uncomfortable questions, by making people think about, well, like the Ted Mike I quote this week, you know, about using all of your powers for your own welfare, not someone else's. And that's a very uncomfortable thing to say these days in, in today's state society. So, with that in mind, let's get right into it. From our good old people in the crazy, loony state, sometimes I'm actually ashamed to admit I'm a son of the California Republic. It's like, wow, it's like how far it has fallen from being a republic. Regulators push California gas price up to 80 cents higher. How and why, you may ask? Well, they have approved a climate change rule on Friday, and it will push California gasoline prices up to at least an 80-cent premium over the U.S. national average. Now, this is despite Californians already paying an average of $2.999 a gallon for regular gasoline versus the national average of $2.287 a gallon. Well, the California Air Resource Board, otherwise known as CARB, approved very extensive updates to climate change rules that will force a 10% reduction in carbon emissions from gasoline and diesel fuel over the next five years. Now, you'll never guess how they're going to force, notice the key word, force, this reduction. Yeah, they're going to make it so blankety-blank expensive for you in California that you can't afford to burn it, so that's how they're going to reduce. Yeah. Now, Carl told the Associated Press that, get this, mind you, they said this, I'll bet they even said it with a straight face, my friends, but it'll be difficult for your host to read this with a straight face, that, quote, <clears throat> the economic impact to consumers would be a few cents per gallon, costing a typical commuter $5 to $21 extra in 2017, increasing to $12 to $48 annually in 2012, end quote. Well, <clears throat> CARB has historically underestimated costs. 
the governor Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger promised in 2006 that his Global Warming Solutions Act, known as AB32, would only cost consumers pennies annually, boost California's economic recovery by $27 billion, and supposedly create an additional 125,000 jobs. But, the California Manufacturing Technology Association estimates that when AB32 is fully implemented by 2020, it will have an annual direct cost totally $35.3 billion, which is equivalent to about 40% of California's general fund revenues. And because it will also have a cost of estimated 262 jobs, California's 2020 gross domestic product will be $153 billion lower by 2020. The latest move follows the January 1 expansion of 832 cap-and-trade program, often referred to as a stealth tax, to include gasoline and diesel transportation fuels. With a carbon market price currently at a $12.76 a ton, the direct impact of cap and trade is to increase gasoline and diesel prices by about $0.14 cents a gallon. When combined with the $0.65.98 per gallon tax, the impact is already almost $0.80 cents per gallon. CARB lowered its consumer cost estimates for its latest initiative to reduce carbon fuel in t by 10% by adopting Governor Moonbeam's narrative that despite, or excuse me, should say Governor Moonbeam 2.0 because it's a, it's a reincarnation of Moonbeam again, uh, that despite man mandatory cuts falling on a bipartisan basis, See, there's keywords there. Falling on a bipartisan basis. Keep that really strongly in mind, my friends. We'll get to the critical thinking segment later in the show, okay? Falling on a bipartisan basis to pass the state legislature two weeks ago. Drivers will now voluntarily reduce fuel consumption voluntarily. See, I love how they mix this up. It's a mandate. It's a mandatory thing, but you're going to voluntarily reduce because we mandated this. They can't even. They say this with a straight face, my friends, and they say that you're not going to catch it. So, voluntarily reduce fuel consumption 50%. 50% in a straight line over the next 15 years. If drivers do not, here comes more mandates, if drivers do not slash fuel consumption, the additional cost of the regulatory move will start at $0.08 cents a gallon in 2016, rise to $0.26 cents by 2020. What do you want to bet that even if somehow miraculously there is 50% reduction, they don't implement the in, the increases, you know. You want to bet on that? <laughs> I'm not taking that bet, but they're not going to do it. No way. The average American household, 
Now, notice now that we switched from California to now average American household because what happens in California spreads across the country because when California says you shall manufacture a car to these standards, well, all manufacturers don't make a special car just for California. They say, well, we're going to have to make all this way. So now all of a sudden, it's now we jump from California to the average American household is expected to save $550 in gasoline expenditure this year due to the 55% plunge in oil prices from last year. That partly explains why the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis just reported that U.S. second quarter GDP rose by 3.9%. Wow, amazing! The price of gas goes down. GDP went up by 3.9%, but California's GDP was only 2.2%. Arguably, because the state's drivers lost almost half the benefit of oil prices due to much higher gas taxes and at 80.32 cap and trade costs. Carbs' new cost will undermine that already weak performance. So, despite class of uber-rich individuals that fabulous money on capital gains, California's average income has fallen since by $5,225 since 2010, and the state's percentage of middle-class households shrank from 46.7 to 43.5% of the population. So, California not only has the highest poverty rate in the U.S., 23.4%, but now that rate is also higher than Greece, which is only 22.3%. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to the new United States. Thank you, California, for pushing this on us. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have told you, my friends, especially after I had returned from the land of the dead, that is, a federal prison camp, I told you a lot for many, many months. In fact, some people said, Roy, get off of it. We get it already. About the privatization of our uh, prison systems and jail systems. Well, I got another story for you here. This judge sold children private prisons for cash, and now he's going down for 28 years. Judge Mark Calavera Jr. has been sentenced 28 years for literally selling kids to prisons for profit. Blue Nation Review reports it this way. A Pennsylvania judge has been convicted of selling children to prison for cash. The former judge 61-year-old Mark Cavalio Jr. was sentenced to three years for taking money under the table from a developer and jailing thousands of adults and juveniles, some as young as 10. Cavalier made more than a million dollars selling people in incarceration in the Blue Nation report. So, around 4,000 convictions issued by Keller between 2003 and 2008 were overturned by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court due to his violations of juvenile constitutional rights. 
including the right to legal counsel and the right to intelligently enter a plea. The Tallahassee O gives some additional background to the victims of the scheme reporting. Among the young exploited by Cavaliera were 15-year-old Hillary Transdu, who was sentenced to three months at a juvenile detention center for mocking an assistant principal on a MySpace page. And his 13-year-old Shane Bly was sent to a boot camp two weeks after being accused of trespassing in a vacant building. Another judge, Michael T. Conahan, used his decision to shut down the county-run juvenile detention center and redirect juvenile detainees to the private prisons. He pleaded guilty to a racketeering conspiracy. So, who is paying cash for these kids? Robert Miracle, builder of the Pennsylvania and Western Pennsylvania Child Care Juvenile Detention Centers. That's who... And he was handed a one-year prison sentence and fines of $2 million for his part of the scheme. So the judge gets 30 years, but the guy who did it all gets one year. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. <clears throat> My friends, I told you and told you and told you one of the things that I love to do on this show is to connect the dots. I have three stories here connecting the dots. To keep three stories in mind to finally see where all the dots connect. So we're going to have to start with one and continue on the other side of the break with the other two, okay? So I'm warning you in advance to keep these in mind to see the dots connect. First, I'm going to start with a quote. In politics, nothing happens by accident. If it happens, you can bet it was planned that way. End quote. And of course, that was Franklin Deficit Roosevelt, who would know about this subject. So, here we go. Mayor of Bomb Clock Kids Town reveals a startling truth about that Muslim family. Yes, media coverage on Ahmed Bong Clock Mohammed has remarkably one sight, with Mohammed family and the media spinning the tale of Islamophobia and overreaction. However, in an appearance on Glenn Beck's The Blaze TV, the mayor of the city where Mohammed goes to school painted a sparkly picture. Among other revelations were her claims that the Mohammed family had stolen Walter and seemed more interested in talking with the council on Islamic, uh, American Islamic relations and related groups than with city officials. Irving, Texas Mayor Beth Van Dyne said that since Muhammad is a juvenile, they can't release the records of what caused the police to arrest him. She says the family has refused to allow these records to be released. According to townhall.com, the Irving School District a number of times has asked the family to release the records so that she can have a balanced story out there, Van Dyne said. She then said the family is ignoring the request from the ISD. 
mayor said the records, quote, would help to describe why it progressed as it did, end quote. Keep remembering that quote from Franklin Roosevelt. If it happened, it was planned that way. She said, said the mayor went on to say, nobody is going to walk in and say, oh, you're a 14-year-old child, totally cooperative, and we have all the answers we need. Let's arrest you. No. Van Dyne said, adding and adding that she had information that Muhammad was, quote, being passive-aggressive and non-responsive. The police questioned him. Van Dyne also noted that the family was more interested in seeing press than resolving the issue. Quote, we tried to reach out to the family a number of times. This was before we hit the papers on Wednesday. At the exact same time they were supposed to be meeting with us, they were out on their front lawn with the press conference at quote. Van Dyne also slammed President Dio for jumping the gun on Ahmed Muhammad's case. Quote, we never even got a call from anybody at the White House asking to verify any of that information. I don't think the picture of the hope bomb was even released before he tweeted, cool clock, kid. Van Dyne adding that early officials were seeing death threats because of the case said that the quote, teacher was reacting to the device, not the student, end quote. And then she said, if something had happened, the mayor said, if something had happened, and nobody had spoken up, people would be livid. Can you imagine if you were a parent at ISD and no one said anything, end quote? Okay, that's the first story. Well, the plot. Let's see how much of the second one I can get through here. The plot thickens. Why? Well, three years earlier, Muslim plot kid's sister was previously suspended for... Are you ready for this? Hang on, here we go. A week into Ahmed Muhammad's 15 minutes... Name. The cracks in this liberal poster child continue plotting. In more detailed service, it becomes increasingly apparent that Teen lied about his <clears throat> creation, quote unquote, then refused to cooperate with police and is now getting rewarded with fame and all sorts of free goodies, which, given the and soaking it all up almost makes you wonder if it were all part of the plan to begin with. And now, further fueling the controversy surrounding Ahmed's possible is the revelation that Ahmed's older sister, Eman, that she previously was suspended from the same school for three days. Are you ready? The reason... Apparently, a fellow student's claim that Eamon, quote, wanted to blow up the school, end quote. Daily Beast reports it this way. After the MSNBC event, Eamon, as they sat down in the hallway where she says the same thing happened to her, Smith, I guess I spent from school for three days from this stupid same district for this school for this girl saying I wanted to blow up the school, something I had nothing to do with. Well, human talks with this list, almost imperceptible, but becomes stronger. She gets emotional. She said, I got suspended. I didn't do anything about it. 
And so when I heard what I meant, I was so mad because it was me, and I didn't get him to stand up. So I'm making sure he's standing because it's not right. So I'm not jealous. I'm kind of like, it's like he's standing for me. And well, well, even said her suspension was in her first year of middle school. Quote, my first year of attending middle school in America, I knew English, but the culture was different, people were different. Well, I'm going to tell you more about Demon, about the Muhammad bomb clock kid, and further connect the dots for you here, my friends, because, well, Franklin Roosevelt was right. It was planned, and you're going to see it here as, you, as we continue to connect the dots here on the Constitutional Crusaders show. So you're really going to want to pay attention here because this is a dog and pony show on a grand scale. And as it starts to come apart, you will see how together. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders on the American Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back.
provide internet access to the during civil society at CCC in use commercial shortening frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. Your one communication system is dependent on their unique information, unique choices, unique payment, and free the air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LED, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system $149.99. Call 541 225 That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanBoysRadio.com and click the satellite system. on the phone. This seems 
odd, particularly given a man's apparent comfort, even relish being center of attention. So, was there a script a mom needed to stick to and feed a particular narrative? Hmm. Now, before I move on to the third story, let me interject a little something here. This now has been three times that the term Islamophobia has been used and brought up between these two stories. Have you caught it? Islamophobia is a made-up term, my friends. One can look this up, even on Wikipedia, and see that it's made up and has no basis in reality, and it is political, you know, which Islam is, and not religious or racist. You see? So it has no basis in reality. It's not a phobia. You know, if you have arachnophobia, you have a fear of spiders. But describing Islam and what it is, is not a phobia. It is describing it for what it is. So Islamophobia is a major There is no such thing. Well, that being said, the plot thickens even more. Police say that Ahmed won't pick up his, quote, paw, end quote, as Ahmed cries to the media about the police keeping it. Yes, the Irving police are waiting patiently for 14-year-old Ahmed Mohammed to pick up his homemade suitcase, clock that sits at police headquarters, and they've been waiting for over a week now. Local law enforcement reached out to the family to come and get it, but no one did. Instead, the family claims the police won't release it, and it's lawyered up to get it. See, on Wednesday, the 23rd, so the last Wednesday, Irving police told Fox News Dallas, that's KDFW, and that they notified the family last Friday that the clock and all items related to the incident were available for pickup. Well, the Mohammed family is yet to retrieve the elaborate homemade 12 volt quote unquote timepiece that more resembles a hoax bomb. The teens of September 14th arrest at MacArthur High School and subsequent suspension were based on the school zero tolerance policy not racism. An Irving PD official read in a statement, quote, the student's father or his designated representative may collect the items at Irving Police headquarters, end quote. That statement included the hours someone could stop by the station at the clock. Well, despite law enforcement's repeated attempts to get the Bahamas to pick up the clock in a box, the family claims they cannot retrieve it and lawyer up with, get this, two high-profile Dallas attorneys, Thomas Bowers and Reggie London. The family retained the duo to pursue, quote, Ahmed's legal rights and regain his science project. 
from the Army Police Department, and according to ABC News on Wednesday. Well, ours, famous for being Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones' sexual assault allegation, told KXAS5 he is considering legal action against the police in the school district. The family also picked up a noted publicity firm, Universal Media Group, but still no one has picked up the clock, the alleged clock. The alleged clock is now called a science project, despite the fact it was never a school assignment. Left-of-center media has piled on the family spin campaign, such as NBC News insisting the family needed legal assistance to get a med's property returned. TPM claimed the family hired attorneys to get the clock back so he can have it for his upcoming White House visit. The Toronto Sun gasped, the clock is in the possession of police in the Dallas suburb of Irving. The New England Cable News picked up the NBC, claiming the family hired attorneys to get the homemade clock back. Oh, my God. Youth-friendly complex spun a yummy yarn around one of Ahmed's tweets, saying he really wants his clock back. And the family hired attorneys to make that happen. On Tuesday, Ahmed tweeted, I can't wait to get my clock back and take it to the White House to show Barack Obama. The invite is an honor. Looking forward to meeting you. Well, only it looks like all they need to do to regain the treasured timepiece is to visit the Irving PD. Ahmed Mohammed's father, Dallas Sufi Aman Muhammad Alassan Muhammad, yes, he's named Muhammad twice, my friends, met with Irving School District officials on Monday, met with the school officials, while the quote-unquote clock kid enjoyed VIP treatment at Google's Northern California Science Fair. Ahmed has a United Nations weekend summit next week after his father hopes to take the teen on a pilgrimage to Mecca. The only problem I have is that they didn't take him last week so he could be part of the 700 people who were stampeded to death. That's the only problem. He should have taken him then. Then maybe he could have done some good to be 701 people stampeded to death. But no, he didn't do that. Well, anyway, the elder Muhammad, Muhammad Muhammad, anticipates visiting the White House by invitation of President B.O., well, maybe, just maybe, they can find time to swing by the Irving Police Department and get the so-called clock. Now, I started out with this little trio of stories with a quote. Remember? It was this. In politics, nothing happens by accident. If it happens, you can bet it was planned that way. Now, if you were paying attention, 
you would have noted that I connected some dots with these three stories, taking that bucolic scene of the river, the trees, the meadow. And now that we have connected the dots, you now look at that same scene and see the little boy leading a donkey that's pulling a wagon. No longer looks like the river the trees, and the meadow anymore. You know, I find myself, in some ways, in that R-O-F-L-M-A-O state. You want to know why, my friends? This is why. Did you hear me last week talking about Rush advertising about hear about it here today, read about it in the paper tomorrow? End quote. And then I said last week that I found that curious, considering the long, long string of things I've talked about that one does not hear on Rush or other parts of the lamestream media for months. Well, this morning, my friends, I heard a blurb. I never heard it on Rush before, where now his announcer says that you hear things on Rush, quote, months before you hear them anywhere else, end quote. Hmm. Sarcasm mode on. Interesting. Sarcasm mode off. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. By now, you should have heard about the Volkswagen debacle. Well, I got some stories about that to connect some dots on. Let's start with the first one. Volkswagen cheating fine is 20 times higher than GM's for killing 174 people. This is from our good friends at Against Crony Capitalism who write, Yesterday, we asked whether the EPA yesterday would be, um, uh, well, last Monday, my friends. They asked whether the EPA or some other regulatory agency would have gone after GM like the EPA is going after VW had gone at, had GM done what VAW is alleged to have done. We argued that it wouldn't likely have. In the back of our minds was the recent GM ignition switch scandal, which the U.S. government didn't seem very concerned about. Well, actually, the government was concerned, but not for the public. The BO administration didn't want to make a big stink because GM, a.k.a. Government Motors, was a chosen winner. The administration had bailed out the Detroit-based company for political reasons, and it didn't want to be embarrassed by a high-profile example of incompetence. So what if over 150 people died? Not only that, the government has protected GM from plaintiffs who can't sue because the ignition switch occurred under the old GM. Zero Hedge reported this. When bailout darling GM fessed up to an intentional ignition switch defect tied to at least 174 deaths. The Justice Department fined them $900 million, and no employees faced criminal charges. So in this consequence-less world we now live in, 
When Volkswagen admits to literally cheating emission test standards, it faces up to $18 billion in fines from the EPA. One has to wonder whether <clears throat> we have our priorities right. Now, second thing, related. EPO, EPA's own diesel crimes are worse than VW's. There's no question. Now, some of you may be scratching your head going, wait a second, EPA diesel crimes? Oh, yes, my friends. There's no question that Volkswagen should be in trouble for intentionally rigging its diesel engines to skirt U.S. emission requirements, but EPA's own diesel exhaust wrongs put VWs in the shade. VW rigged the engine software in some models so that emissions met EPA standards only while the cars were being emissions tested. Under normal driving conditions, the cars emitted up to 35 times more nitrogen oxides than permitted. Yes, this is bad, but not from a public health or environmental standpoint. The emissions at issues are quite trivial in scale. VW's real crime is that it gained an unfair advantage over competitors who complied with the rules. That said, it's quite ironic that EPA is pointing the finger at VW for diesel emissions. See, the EPA has for years quietly conducted flagrantly illegal scientific experiments in which diesel exhaust was pumped into the lungs of sick people and senior citizens. As pictured here in the article, my friends, EPA researchers pumped high levels of diesel exhaust from an idling truck into a gas chamber where an unwitting elderly and or asthmatic victim sat for two hours inhaling it. And they show a picture here my friends, of a truck under a, a couple of pipes hanging down from this roof and then the chamber that it was pumped into and it says diesel exhaust is collected from an idling truck parked outside the building. This is diluted with filtered air and introduced through piping into an exposure chamber. So how much diesel exhaust were these human guinea figs, pigs forced to inhale? Well, since the EPA has determined that there is no quote, safe level, end quote, of diesel exhaust inhalation, any inhalation is already too much. But EPA exposed its human subjects to as much as 300 times more diesel exhaust than is typically found in outdoor air, but there's more. EPA had included, or concluded, excuse me, that inhaling any amount of diesel exhaust can cause death within hours. As such, these experiments were fundamentally unethical and prohibited by federal laws concerning the protection of human subjects in scientific experiments. These laws emanated from past human experiment horrors, including those of the Nazi era and our own Tuskegee syphilis experiments. Part of the problem of their illegal nature is that EPA failed to obtain the legally required informed consent from the study subjects. No subject was informed that EPA had determined that inhaling diesel exhaust 
could cause death within hours. Not only did this failure violate federal law, given that many of the EPA researchers are state-licensed physicians, this conduct also violated state laws concerning informed consent for medical procedures. These latter crimes are felonies. The EPA even experimented with diesel exhaust on children as young as 10 years old. In an experiment conducted by researchers from the University of Southern California and University of California, Los Angeles, very high levels of diesel exhaust were sprayed up the noses of the children. Once again, informed consent was not obtained from the parents. Why does EPA conduct these shocking experiments? The reason is even more appalling. As EPA admitted in litigation, it conducted these tests because the EPA's claim about the lethality of diesel exhaust rests largely upon studies that are merely statistical in nature. The human testing is an effort to provide some evidence of biological or medical plausibility for the statistical studies. So, yes, EPA is trying to harm people in order to validate its dubious statistical data. So, as between VW trying to gain an unfair advantage over the competition and the EPA trying to kill people in order to validate its regulations, it would seem that EPA is the actual diesel exhaust villain. Wouldn't you agree? Hmm. Well, it gets deeper, my friends. Did Governments collude on car companies' rigged pollution testing? Again, from crony capitalism, or against crony capitalism, excuse me. Well, they start out by saying, and it is the government really finding out about it for the first time. Hmm. Dun, 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 dun. From the Guardian across the pond. The UK, France, and Germany have been accused of hypocrisy for lobbying behind the scenes to keep outmoded car tests for carbon emissions, but later publicly calling for European investigation into Volkswagen's rigging of air car pollution tests. Leaked documents seen by The Guardian show the three countries lobbied the European Commission to keep loopholes in car tests that would increase real-world carbon dioxide emissions by up to 14% above those claimed. Just four months before the VW emission scandals broke, the EU's three biggest nations mounted a push to carry over loopholes from a test devised in 1970 known as the NEDC, to the World Light Vehicles Test Procedure, which is the WLTP, which is due to replace it in 2017. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Are you connecting the dots yet, my friends? Yeah. Oh, and let's not forget one other thing that none of these stories brought up. The fine against VW, oh, excuse me, no, the one did bring it up, yes, 20 times, 20 times higher 
than against GM. Yeah. This is about bankrupting them, my friends. Bankrupting them because they knew about it and somebody outside the government caught them. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And you think this stuff happens on accident? Not a chance, my friends. It's planned. And, of course, while this is being planned and presented to you, you just have to stop and think and wonder, what am I missing because I'm being distracted by all of this other stuff? Hmm. Well, I already told you about that months ago, my friends. That's what you're being distracted from. Because that's what's happening. Okay. When we come back from the upcoming break, I'm going to do... Last week, I got so much great feedback about the little history lesson segment I did. I decided that I'll do another history lesson, especially in light of Trump's announcement this morning about his, his tax plan. So the history lesson that I'm going to do when we get back from the other side of the break, is especially timely in event, in, in connection with Trump's announcement on how he's going to reduce taxes and help start the economy, jumpstart the economy, and kick it into high gear, and even admitting that his own tax plan is going to cost him, his companies, personally, millions and millions of dollars in more taxes. Yet, he still says he wants to do it. So, it's, it's rather interesting. At least, I find it rather interesting, my friends. So, hopefully, you find it interesting, too. Yeah. So, anyway, maybe I started vamping just a little too soon there. Uh, then, of course, after we do the history lesson, we'll have the... Uh, links of interest, which I think you'll find surprising, 20 of them, really good ones, and then we'll have a little, uh, uh, a little critical thinking segment, which I told you to be wary of and watch for. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. 
American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU-band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one forty. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Warning. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... is the proper place where those beliefs need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Today is still Monday, September 28th, 2015. It is the 4 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. If you're listening to some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to adjust your clocks accordingly. 
And for those of you that are just joining us here in this hour, I will remind you that this is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is. And we do, of course, give an exemption to those from Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as government agents that are paid to listen to this show, because after all, if they could think, uh, it would create a hostile work environment. If we was to force them to think, to be able to think, it would create a hostile work environment. And we don't want to be responsible for that, so we give them an exemption from thinking. However, if you call in, thinking is required uh, because, well, that's what this show is all about, thinking, and especially critical thinking. So if you'd like to call in, it's real simple. You just dial 1-800-932-1980, or you may send an instant message to KC7AQK through Yahoo Instant Messenger, and that comes directly to me. As promised, my friend. Oh, wait, before I get into the as promised part, for those of you that are just joining us here in this hour, uh, I had a little setback last week with my broken arm, and um, I'm, I've lost some sensation in my finger and uh, right left index finger and motion, etc. And um, I think something might have popped loose in my elbow, and I'm going to find out about it this week. Um, so it, I'm doing the show at this point, sitting in a reclining chair with my arm propped up to help um, help relieve the pain and swelling and such. So uh, it's I'm I'm not on any drugs this week. I've not taken any painkillers, uh, so I'm dealing with it um, as I can. So. Sometimes I may get a little discombobulated, and I apologize for that in advance. Okay, last week, as promised, last week I did a little history lesson, which evidently, by the response that I received from people, went over really well. You really enjoyed that. Well, how about another one? This is from an article, which is history in and of itself, in that it's uh, two and a half years old, almost two and a half years old to the day here, um, and but it's talking about something from a while ago, and then relating it to today, and since Donald Trump just today, or this past weekend, I can't quite remember which it is, so forgive me on that, but very recently, there we, I'll put it that way, very recently Donald Trump released his tax plan and what he has in store if he was elected president to propose as a tax plan, and that makes this history lesson even more poignant, especially with some of the things that Trump outlined that if were, they were implemented, would really be a kick in the butt to um, the economy getting it going and moving faster. So this history lesson, how the Beatles, yes, we're talking about the song group of four mop heads from England, not some insect, how the Beatles dealt with a 98% income tax. That's right, 98%. Nick Sorrento writes and says, When I was a small child, we lived in the United Kingdom for a couple of years just before the Thatcher Revolution. 
in the years afterwards, after we were back in the States and I was a bit older, I can remember my parents talking about how colossally messed up Britain was economically. The 1970s weren't great for America, but our friends across the pond were far worse. My parents would talk about the brownouts, when electrical workers would deliberately turn off the power from power plants in a show of what I guess some might call workers' solidarity. My mother told me at the time she almost died in a British hospital with an ectopic pregnancy. The doctor had told her to go home as her pain was most likely indigestion. 24 hours later, she was in a Navy hospital, again undergoing surgery. Post-surgery, she was put in a room with tens of other people who were sometimes given to screams of anguish, saying, never go to a European hospital if it can be avoided. <laughs> he learned early, the author of this, that socialism was not the way to go. But more than anything, his parents talked about the incredible levels of taxation in the U.K., his father, who was an officer in the U.S. Navy and therefore did not feel the burden of taxation in the U.K., but he remembers him talking about for years the audacity of a government that thought it had the right to take nearly 100% of people's pay. Dad explained that one of the reasons all the cool British bands of the 60s left the UK and came to the United States was because of the rate of taxation in the Isles. A pretty amazing thing, given that rates weren't exactly low in the USA in the 60s either, but at least Uncle Sam didn't take everything. This level of taxation was inspired for one of the favorite Beatles tunes, and that is Taxman. Bloomberg.com reports it this way. The top rate for British taxpayers in the mid-1960s reached 83%. The wealthiest among them paid a 15% super tax on top of that, pushing taxes as high as 98%. The pain came out in the band's music. George Harrison opened his 1966 song this way. Let me tell you how it will be. That's one for you, 19 for me. Should 5% appear too small, be thankful I don't take it all. As Lennon and McCartney racked up hits with their compositions in 1963 and 1964, Please, Please Me, From Me to You, I Want to Hold Your Hand, She Loves You, to name a few, and money started pouring in, it became clear that the songwriting profits would be siphoned away to the UK's treasury if something wasn't done. So what did they do? Well, they came to the United States. So there's your history lesson, my friends. So now take that, like I say, take that hand in hand with what Trump announced today for his tax plan. And already, even and especially 
on faux news, as we like to call it here, um, they are, excuse me, they are castigating it as it will allegedly do this and allegedly do that, blah, 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 forgetting the history lessons of the past, where every time proposals like Trump is making have actually been put into play, economic engines lit on fire and things started to move like crazy. But they, they don't want to put it that way. No. Instead, they sneer at Trump for being so naive as to think that he can do these things. Well, obviously, he can't do them. He can only suggest them, and then it's up to Congress to do it because they're the ones that write the laws. And, but the fact remains that every country, the United States right now, has the highest corporate income tax rate in the world, yet we have socialists like Bernie Sanders running around talking about the low taxes in this country and how we need to raise the taxes because they're far too low. And we have the highest corporate tax rate in the world. And then we wonder why our GDP is just, it's not even keeping up with nor nominal growth, my friends. Hmm. Okay, 20 links of interest. Number 20. Where's my Gomer pile? Oh, here it is. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Bonehead, as we like to call the uh, soon-to-be ex-speaker of the house, Oh, that sounds so good, i got to say it again. Soon to be ex-Speaker of the House. Wow, doesn't that sound sweet? Anyway, Bonehead concludes, or colludes, excuse me. Bonehead colludes with super-liberal Maxine Waters to shaft taxpayers once again. Number 19. The difference between conservatives and liberals brilliantly compared. And it is. It's a very nice side-by-side -side comparison, my friends. I urge you to go and read it. That's number 19. Number 18. Uh, last week I talked about a few great memes. Well, here's another great meme and what's behind it. This genius meme perfectly explains the stupidity of statism. And it does a great job, my friends. You just got to get it and see it. Number 17, an expose into the insidiousness of the lamestream media and how they are so entwined with socialism. Breitbart.com brings you this one about Huma Abedin debuts her Twitter account by ripping into Ben Carson. Like I said, my friends, a wonderful expose into the insidiousness of lamestream media. Number 16, uh, Alan West asks, you know, sh Obama should be made a, to answer for what was hidden in this ship. And he talks about the ship and what was hidden in it. Well, I say don't hold your breath on this, Alan West. Uh, 
not not a good idea. Number 15, uh, a federal judge orders fast and furious references in the Brian Terry murder trial that they are not to be allowed to be brought up. Well, nope, nope, can't bring that up, you know, because it would result in bad guys, you know, the government being looked at. Uh, so we can't do that. Nope, 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 can't, can't do that. Nope, nope, no, of course not. Uh, number 14, um, in case you need to know, and you do, here's why the progressive left keeps sticking up for pedophiles. Yeah, this is not a story that you want to read like right after you've eaten, my friends, because I, I highly recommend you, you don't read it after you've eaten because, well, you will probably lose your lunch, so to speak. Uh, but you still need to read it. Just recommend you don't do it right after eating. Number 13. By now, this may be old news. But read it in retrospect and keep the facts in mind for the future. And it's a story on how VW is in full-on crisis mode and Volkswagen drops 23% after admitting the diesel admissions cheating. Good article, like I say, old news in retrospect, but you still want to keep it around because it will help you connect the dots in the future, my friends. Number 12, despite the lie being exposed by articles like this, those spreading the lie are doubling down. And what is it? It's a bombshell revelation expose in the huge lie about the Syrian refugees Obama wants to open America to. Yeah. Uh-huh. Number 11. Beware of those who speak with forked tongue. Who would be the forked tongue in this case? Well, that would be... Texas Governor Scott Walker, who said, quote, as he dropped out of the presidential race, quote, I encourage other presidential candidates to do the same, that is, drop out of the race, uh, so that they can limit the field in order to provide the voters with, quote, an alternative to the front runner, end quote. Yeah a reference and a jab at the GOP frontrunner, Donald Trump, of course. But, you know, like I said, he in the article, this is why I talk about fork tongue, in the article he praises Reagan and Reagan's ability of not demeaning fellow Republicans and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes around and does this, at, you know, within the same breath, practically, my friends. Yeah, fork tongue indeed. Number 10. Law school professor is suing the university over a gun prohibition in wake of an unarmed professor being gunned down. Well, he's making himself a target in more ways than one, that's for sure. Number 9. Article from that beloved uh, libertarian magazine. I just love it, my friends. Reason.com. 
they're talking about Forianas. Um, I I hear her name pronounced, and I keep forgetting to remember how to pronounce her name. But you know the lady, the Hewlett Packard lady that's running for president, and there they say there are only two problems with Foriana: what she has done in the past, and what she promises for the future. An inspection of those is a reminder of where she got started in sales. She may offer an irresistible pitch, but creating a good product, well, that demands a skill set she isn't known to possess. And it talks about some of her history, my friends. History that if Trump was involved in and had the same kind of history, oh, they would be opening him and filleting him like you wouldn't believe. But he doesn't have that kind of history, so they can't do it to him. So instead, they make up other things. Number eight, John Bolton on why Democrats have no national security wing. You know, you really need to hear what this former UN ambassador has to say about national security. Great story. I just obviously didn't have time for it here today. Number seven, Muslims don't like. What Muslims don't like, yes, well, it seems that nations that abide by democratic values place great emphasis on freedom of expression, and women's rights. Well, the Islamic faith does not. If anything, those nations that base their government on Islamic teachings go out of their way to suppress free speech and keep women at the second level of second-class citizens. Yeah, that's what Muslims don't like. They don't like women being at first-class citizenship. And this story explains exactly how and why. Number six... It used to be said that in the video age, it was impossible to have the past stay hidden. But what about when the lamestream media is in cahoots with the politicians? Because that's exactly what we have right now, because Hillary is now making a ludicrous claim to blame others for starting the Obama birther rumors when it was actually her. Yeah, she's saying, oh, it's a looter's claim that I started them. No, 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 it was others. But we have the tapes, my friends. We have the recordings of her starting it, my friends. She was the one who started it when he was running for senator, for crying out loud. Hmm... Number five, Utah says it officially cancels Planned Parenthood funding and redirects 225 grand to health clinics. Well, so they're cutting off funding to a handful of planned genocide facilities and distributing it to the several thousand local women's health centers, and they will still be called a war on women. Just watch. Just watch, my friends. Number four. So let's get this straight. I want to get this straight here. Kim Davis 
An ordinary Kentucky County clerk denies a marriage license to a same-sex couple. She's held without bail in spite of not being a danger to anyone. Meanwhile, in California, a Saudi prince with massive wealth is accused of being a serial rapist, and he's let go on a mere $300,000 bail in spite of the fact that he's a massive flight risk and a serious danger to the community. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Obama's America. Read the article. Number three. Well, the question, can the cops make you unlock your iPhone? Answer, no. According to a recent federal court ruling, it's not okay for police to force suspects to unlock their phones with a passcode, and doing so would be a violation of your fifth article rights in the, from the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. Here's an article explaining exactly how, where, and why, my friends. Number two, we have learned that it's official. The Ground Zero Mosque has been defeated. Well, this is great news. But it doesn't mean that we need to stop being vigilant about it, my friends. No, no, no. Just the opposite. We should remain vigilant because just because it's dead now doesn't mean that someone might try and revive it later. And finally, number one, more reasons why you cannot expect justice in the uh, court system today. The headline, Questions Raised After a Shock Belt is Used in a Texas Murder Trial by the Judge. Yeah, he ordered this guy to have a shock belt put on him, and he got the trigger. Yeah, right. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay, Critical Thinking thinks the critical thinking segment told you my friends I'm in a bit of pain today which sometimes makes the tongue not work properly and I told you early on in the show that you want to keep certain things in mind like especially the dead white guy quote uh huh think there's a difference between the Democrat and Republican parties consider this analogy It's in early January, in the dark of night, and you're walking through a bad neighborhood, minding your own business, and you get jumped by a mugger. The mugger is well known for stealing people's money, but now he's beating the crap out of you in order to take your gun. As you desperately are struggling to hang on to that gun, which has only one bullet in it, you notice someone dressed as a security guard off to the side. You call out for help. Please, please help me. The security guard keeps promising to help you, but doesn't seem to be doing anything. As you're struggling for your life with the mugger, you keep expecting the security guard to save you, yet he still doesn't seem to be much help. Is he afraid of the mugger, you wonder? You even question if he might be in cahoots with the mugger. Well, finally the time arrives when you have a chance to use your one bullet. A fleeting thought crosses your mind to use it against the security guard for not doing enough to help you, but 
It is the mugger that is the most immediate and dangerous threat. My friends, the mugger is the Democrat Party and the security guard is the Republican Party. So you use your one bullet wisely, but on whom? Now, I ran this by a little test audience before the show, my friends, several people, and they all come back and say, well, who, who do you use it on? Who, who is it? Some of them, you know, who is it? Who is it to use it on? I said, that's the whole point, my friends. It's critical thinking. But on whom? Think about it. That's why I call it critical thinking. Okay. When we come back from the break, we, of course, are going to have our Roy's School of Guerrilla Lawfare. This subject this week, big government is a religion. And boy, is it ever. And we're going to show how people worship the religion of big government. The hows, the whys, and the wherefores, my friends. So you're really going to want to stick around for this because even though the article is a little old, it's still a really good example of exactly why big government is a religion. You ever stop to wonder about it? There you go. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? 
Don't forget to tune in to the Sulphur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. There. <laughs> this, welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, Constitutional Counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs, even if I do forget to hit the mute switch and wonder why nothing's happening with the music. Uh, yes, I, I start talking, and I'm like, wait, something's not right here. <laughs> okay, this is the time of the show where we turn off the phones, we turn off the instant messages and we settle in on uh, a particular subject um, which I hope to make relevant to your life and your liberty and your property as the expression goes. And this we call it the Roy's School of Guerrilla Lawfare. That's L A W for learn and win through a better education. And as promised, subject today, big government is a religion. Now we know Karl Marx talked about saying that religion is the opiate of the masses. Well, Karl Marx pushed his own brand of opium, my friends. He most certainly did. Now, this is from one of the founders of the Against Crony Capitalism group that I belong to now, my friends, which I'm very proud to say that I belong to them because, uh, well, they're exposing crony capitalism in ways that I hadn't even begun to think about, and it's just wonderful, and I, I love him for it. So he writes and says that he's very grateful for the broad spectrum of readers that they have at Against Crony Capitalism, saying that they certainly have a certain take on how best to deal with the growing crony capitalism in this country, and I would say in the rest of the world, and that is, for the most part, to shrink the enabling organ, government. It seems as plain as May Day that we have 
considered the ins and outs of crony capitalism for a long time. But there are those who still disagree with us. Amazing. It's amazing how that works. You see, well, there's reason for that, my friends. I'll get, I'll, I'll probably get into that later. But for now, I want to stick with what, what this guy has to say here. He writes and says, even with the piles of evidence we have amassed and which is available from other sources, some people continue to believe that if we could only get good people in government, things would be great. It's not the size of government, they argue. It's the nature of government. If we could only get the corporate money out of politics, and rarely is the same thing said of unions, which give more to political causes than corporations, well, things would work for the people. You know, we could we could have things like a single-payer health care with its top flight. Yes, we could have vacations for two months. We could have free college. We could have social equality with the less fortunate brought out of the systematic poverty, which of course was created by a bourgeoisie power structure, you know, of course, and the systematically rich would be brought down to size. We could have a fossil free, fossil fuel free economy. Yeah, mass transit, which of course doesn't run on fossil fuel, of course. Mass transit would whisk us. Yeah, speaking of mass transit not, not being on fossil fuel, I just love the sign of this protester who's carrying a big sign saying, I don't need oil, I ride the bus. And I'm like, yes, exactly. How's the bus getting from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, I digress. And golf courses. Well, golf courses would be converted into picnic grounds for the newly vacationed. You know, there used to be a tendency among big government people to at least call for a reduction in the size of the military, which, um, you know, is laughable but uh, in some ways and laudable in others. It all depends on your point of view and how you're looking at it. But since such a military is no longer a threat to the Soviet Union and is no longer seen as a weapon of capitalist imperialism, well, the military has become cautiously embraced by the status in recent years who now see the value of a large works program emanating from the Pentagon. Yes, the military has become by far the world's largest social engineering petri dish, my friends. Quote-unquote liberals have also cautiously accepted the surveillance state. Yeah. The general tendency to fight Big Brother, often found on the left of our childhood, is pretty much gone. As the state has become even larger, Big Brother has become a friend to statists. To make a revolution, after all, one must break a few eggs, as they say, even if those eggs is human dignity and privacy. After all, 
the end justifies the means. You know, one could wonder how it was that in the face of what seems fairly obvious that markets are as natural as water flowing downhill, that a society should make it as easy as possible for the people with the best ideas and the most outstanding work ethic to create value for the rest of society, that governments, even socialist ones, are always used to enrich an establishment at the cost of the everyday person, that so many people could continue to believe that pursuing an even larger state was somehow good for society. Now, we're not meaning here that we object to this pursuit from a taxes or theft perspective. After all, the perspective help being the largest amount of humanity, how could anyone believe that the state could ever work for the benefit of the people? It seemed, and now, of course, now seems as insanity, of course. But we don't wonder about any more as such things. Nope, not anymore. See, there are two main factors involved with people who are enamored with the state. I'm going to tell you what they are right now. One of them makes sense and one of them makes less sense. The sensible factor is that people just value different things in life to different degrees. Many people are not entrepreneurs and could really care less about pushing the business and intellectual envelope forward. It has been said, for instance, that in Denmark, the supposedly happiest country on earth, although last week I showed how they're not, people feel comfort in not reaching too high, in not challenging the status quo, in being part of the collective. We are Borg. We will assimilate you. Yeah, that, that collective, right. If life is the life of a cog in a machine, so be it. That's the mentality of the Danes. At least I get my vacation at midsummer, you know. Well, believe it or not, it's actually kind of easy to respect that worldview and understand it in some ways, you know, it's, it's comfortable, you know, your needs are taken care of, you don't have to worry about anything, you know, especially the the sissiest of us in, in this world, my friends, you know, life without too much excitement, where banality is underappreciated by those who never experienced too much excitement in their life, yeah. Exactly. That being said, it's not any kind of life for myself, or I would dare to envision most of the people that listen to this show because they want to listen to this show. That, of course, that excludes those from um, the Southern Poverty Law Center and Media Matters and those members of the government that are paid to listen to this show because they don't want to listen to it. They're just listening to it for ammunition to use against your host. But nonetheless, 
for those that listen to the show because you want to listen to it, well, we understand that we, especially as a species, we are a species that explores, which pushes toward the horizon. It is our nature to do so. To some degree, we need to put miles under our feet, to take pleasure in the next hunt, to enjoy spoils to some degree, to cry tears. Yes. But to be part of a collective, to find a kind of identity within a group, well, it's, it's understandable. In certain situations, one could even argue that it is rational. Now, don't think, however, that of the two main factors which drive people to statism, that the cog-in-the-machine mentality is the most important. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not. The most important factor is the religion of statism, of big government, the cult of societal management, a utopian vision of heaven on earth. In a world where God is dead, the materialistic dialect, or dialectic, excuse me, the materialistic dialectic has filled the psychological void for many. Though the mystics of old, you know, Jesus, Buddha, the saints, etc., may hold no significance for some, the men of <clears throat> progress and other deities do. Marx, Hegel, Russell, FDR, Che, Trotsky, Chomsky, Keynes, well, these are the saints, along with many others, of the state. These men, and they are mostly men, strove for the betterment of humanity through the tool of government. They saw a vision of heaven that they sought to move humanity closer to this vision. Now, of course, I will remind you, my friends, that this is speaking past tense, and it's true, even though Chomsky is still alive, okay? So, so before you jump on me and go, wait a second, you're talking past tense here, Chomsky's still alive. Well, yes, we realize that. Uh, we know this, okay? Okay, don't, 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 don't panic here. Well, it's a dream, a fine dream, a brotherhood of man, jobs for everyone, infinite health, equality, but not equality of poverty, but a collective wealth of art, of actualization, a dream. It is the dream. One can understand why so many bright minds would heed this siren call. The 20th century was a century of mechanization of cars, of planes, and chemicals, factories, and war. If humans could engineer a supersonic jet or a trip to the moon, why couldn't humans also engineer the society that Marx and Hegel glimpsed a century before? Why couldn't or can't we have heaven on earth? Yet, 
this question begs another question. Why, in an effort to realize this dream, is it that so much misery surrounded and still surrounds the pursuit of it? Hmm? Hitler had this vision. Stalin had his. Mao had his vision. All saw a vision of heaven on earth, yet they brought with them hell. See, I'm convinced, seriously, my friends, I'm convinced that the reason that the state as a machine failed and continues to fail so badly is that the world is not a hard-edged steel machine. People even today see the economy and society as a system with levers and pulleys, with buttons and dials, instead of the living, breathing organism that it is. Nature is not regimented. It flows and twists. It goes this way and that. It is fundamentally dynamic. The human vision of heaven on earth, at least the statist version, rejects this dynamism. Markets and inequality of income and status are to be overcome by the great groundskeeper, Cut down this bothersome tree. Redirect this stream. Tear up this earth. Fill in that hole. Such gardening can work in a limited way as long as the garden is limited in size and the groundskeeper is constantly moving to counter the natural order of the economy. But, in the end... It fails. It always does. But before it fails, terrible destruction is often wrought in an effort to stave off the inevitable natural order. Statism, big government, is fundamentally unsustainable. It is fundamentally anti-natural. When an economy works with nature's natural way, markets, and everything in nature is a market, prosperity can be widespread and long-lasting. The sun rises and sets. Water flows down the mountain. The seasons, they come and go. Economies ebb and flow. Jobs disappear, but new ones appear. Opportunity comes, and then it goes. The economy is not a garden. It is a rainforest full of beauty and diversity and occasionally peril with an order which emerges from perceived chaos. The status religion still holds considerable sway for many. It has been 
the experience, the human experience, that once one does understand that dynamism is the way, the towel of society and economy, the love of state often diminishes the dream of a human planned heaven on earth makes less sense. And suddenly, all those people who called for market-based solutions, who were once dismissed as uncaring enemies of the worker, suddenly make a lot more sense. So, status of the world? Get hip. All you have to lose is a dead-end political philosophy which enslaves and kills in the name of human liberation. Oh, and by the way, welcome to the 21st century. Yeah. Okay. So there you go, my friends. That's something to really think about. Because that is what the big government is. It is a religion. That's all it is. It's a giant religion. And once you start thinking of it in that way, once you start realizing that it's that in that way, well, <laughs> you start to understand how to overcome it, my friends. Now, I didn't know if I'd have enough time to get to this, but evidently I do. I, this is a work that's still in progress, but it's my thoughts, personal thoughts on statism and such. And I've been writing on this every now and then. I get out my keyboard and I start to bang, bang on a little bit, and I even banged on it a little bit today here in light of what I'd be talking about. And it starts like this. The socialist, i.e. the liberal, who sees you as the trampled upon peasant, and he whispers in your ear that they will work tirelessly to relieve your suffering, can best illustrate the myth of socialist compassion. See, only they understand the burden upon your back. Only they understand how you are choking to death and cannot breathe. They carry on and on and on about how much they care for you. They promise you everything everything but letting go of your throat and getting off of your back. When you start to see this and you recognize it for what it is, it's very difficult for many people. Why? Because critical thinking teaching has been deliberately removed from our public and dumbcation cistern. And it's turning what was an education experience into a sewer that takes bright, 
healthy children and spews them out as toxic waste upon society to do things like the march in Occupy Wall Street protests. That's what they do. Well, Henry David Thoreau said it very well. He said, there are thousands hacking at the branches of evil to one who is striking at the root. Well, the toxic citizen, the one who has been possibly irrevocably steeped in the sewer of that aforementioned cistern, are the thousands Henry was speaking about, whereas those that are capable of critical thinking become the one. Now, it's interesting to note, however, that Henry was not done in that quote. There was a comma after the word root. Too many people put a period there and end the quote there. But Henry David Thoreau went on to talk about the tyranny of government that creates bureau rats that work with the socialists who have infested government and create the crony capitalism that the Constitution prohibits. The rest of the quote after the comma reads, and it may be he that bestows the largest amount of time and money on the needy, is doing the most by his mode of life to produce that misery which he strives in vain to relieve. See, the socialist bestows large amounts of other people's money on the needy. But since the beginning of the war on poverty 50 years ago, <laughs> over $17 trillion, that's more than our current national debt, has been thrown at the needy. And a careful accounting shows that only, only, only 28 cents of every dollar has ever made it to the needy. While the crony capitalists, you know, the socialists and their true partners in crime, the corrupted corporations, well, they've reached the 72 cents for themselves, reaped it, kept it, thereby producing the misery which he strives to relieve, as Henry David Thoreau talked about. There you go. Something for you to really think about, my friends, because it's just that bad. And especially when it comes time to throw in the lever or marking the box or punching the chat or however it is you end up doing it in your particular district this coming presidential election I'm feeding you all this stuff well in advance to get your brain working to get you thinking about it while you still have time well, that concludes this edition of the Constitutional Crusaders show. Until next week, my friends, unless the creek rises or they take me away again, my fellow Americans, keep your powder dry.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. (laughs) 
Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
right, good evening, folks, and welcome once again to another edition of the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast. I am Pastor Anthony Garissi, broadcasting to you live from the very wet state of Arizona. I know that sounds weird, but yes, we do get rain every once in a while. It's good to have you along with us, folks. We are a show that's dedicated to tackling controversy and conspiracy directly related to Christianity. Um, And we do all this from a biblical perspective, because really, folks, it doesn't matter what we think. Now, you may tune in just to hear what we think, but it doesn't matter what we think. It's mat- it, all, it only matters what the Bible says. If the book's against it, then we're against it. If the book's for it, then we're for it. But it better be in the book. I mean, a lot of things we say just simply aren't in the book. And um, I'm not saying our, us altogether, but Christians do it a lot. Tradition, Jesus Christ warned us that tradition uh, makes the Word of God a none effect. All right, and you've got to be careful about that. And we'll talk a little bit about tradition or traditional people like the Pope in just a little bit. But good to have you along with us tonight. It's also good to have Jason, who uh, handled the uh, second half of the show last week like a champ. We started it off controversial, Jason, and then I just left you with it all in your lap. From what I understand, we gained listening, listening, listenership. So I mean, we well, gained in our yeah, ratings. Our listening audience always grows when you, you know, take some time off from the radio broadcast, but that's just part of the, uh, oh, you know, thanks. part of the element of it. But, yeah, I had a great show after you left, after you ditched me after the first half of the show. But, uh, yeah. you know, I had okay. to go pick up my mother-in-law. <laughs> that is the worst. I had a good experience Here, and, and, I've heard in my life. We listen heard and it, all your mother-in-law jokes. And it gets worse than that, man. It gets worse than that. I go down to pick up my mother-in-law at the airport. This is a true story, folks. I'm not making this up. So I bail on you for the second half of the broadcast, rush down uh, into the middle of a huge storm, okay? I pick up my mother-in-law at the airport. I'm driving back, and my transmission blows. True story, man. I'm not joking. Stay for the radio. (laughs) And left my mother-in-law down there. (laughs) Yeah, at least you'd have a transmission. (laughs) I don't know. I think it would have gone anyways, but I'm definitely going to blame it on my mother-in-law. It is my obligation to blame hey, it. It's April this hour. Anything goes. That's all right. right. Oh, oh, I let the cat out of the bag. There you go. <laughs> better You better let him know. Better let him know. Go ahead. All right. But, but before we get to that, first of all, you can uh, email Pastor Anthony at hey, – Excuse me, pastor at paysonfirstbaptistchurch.net, or you can send him a letter. How long has it been since you've gotten a letter from a real-life person not asking for money? The only ones that send me letters are your kids now. I mean, it's... Do they ask you for money? Yes. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) We're poor missionary kids. Our dad's a missionary in Indiana. Can you please send us some money? Uh, Anyway, you you can write Pastor Anthony a letter and ask him for money. Just like everybody else does, at 303 West Main Street, Payson, Arizona, 85541. And, uh, or you can give them a call. I'm going to go ahead and give the church number, if that's okay with you, because we've given it. it for about 10 years now. So yep. it's uh, area code 928-474-3530 if you want to get a hold of Pastor Anthony at the church. And also you can email me at refreshedaz at hotmail.com, or you can go to the lordshipchurches.info website. You can uh, drop me a note there on the comments. I'll get it, and I'll get around to answering you sometime within, hopefully, by the end of the year. But uh, that's lordshipchurches.info. I am the 
research director, I think, of the Ecclesiastical Law Center, and uh, you're the pastor of, of the only megachurch in Payson, Arizona. This is bound yeah. to be a good show with that kind of combination. Oh, yeah. We, okay, let me qualify that. I am the pastor of the only King James Bible-believing I, independent Baptist Mega church in our town. So, <laughs> I want to make sure you included that small detail on that. But no, uh, send us a letter, folks, or call Pastor Anthony, one of the only people on radio that is brave enough to give out his phone number that you can just give yeah. him a call direct there if you got any questions or if you want to send him money. He always appreciates that. Sure. You're welcome for that, my friend. And uh, But it is, it is, tonight is, oh, wait, before we get to that, got the announcement. Um, West Coast ELC meetings at, in Tualatin, Oregon. Those are coming up October 15th. Just contact me if you want some of the info on that. Also, they the info is on the header of the lordshipchurches.info website. All right. Now, hey, why don't you introduce what this special evening is, Pastor? All right. Well, um, since we were talking about my mother-in-law, it's, just, it's natural that we should just go right into announcing it is the third Monday of the month, and it is Hatefulness Hour. Not that I hate my mother-in-law, but uh, it is Hatefulness Hour, folks. 1-800-932-1980 is the call-in number. Frank, if you've got the hateful theme, go ahead and play it. Are you tired of corruption in government? I hate police officers who will stand out there on the street and give First Amendment protection to a bunch of sodomites and at the same time jackboot Christians right in the face. Do little old ladies driving slow in the fast lane make you crazy? Do people just plain confuse you? I I don't know where to start. I hate people that hate others. The stuff that I deal with on a regular basis, you guys would pee your pants. I'd pee my pants. Are the little things of life getting you down? What I hate is when you got a cup of hot cocoa and you leave it sit for like 10 minutes and it forms that like skin over the top. Oh, and you can't man. quite drink it and you can't quite eat it. So you kind of like have to pick it up with your fingers and chuck it down the sink. Well... Get used to it. I hate when you have a problem with something or someone, and they tell you you just need to get over it. The Contenders for the Faith, which the American Voice Radio is pleased to offer you the prescription to this world's lunacy. And now it's time for the Hatefulness Hour. It's fun. I'm calling from Walmart, and... And I just called to say I hate people that call in from Walmart and don't tell everybody <laughs> what the specials are. It's revealing. What I realize is so much more to this than you've been told. So much more. The yeah, so explain the aliens to me that I've seen probably 30, 40 times. How do I know you weren't smoking something when you saw that? It's your opportunity to vent your spleen. I am sick to death of Uncle Buck. I am sick to death of people who tried to force their own opinion on someone else and tell them that they are not a Christian when they do believe the Bible and don't believe what a fruitcake says about free people in Canada. Thank you. Dial 1-800-433-1429 and tell us what you hate. Yeah, but don't dial that number, folks. Don't dial that. 1-800-932-1980. 1-800-932-1980. We've been playing that hateful theme for years and years. That's and, right. That uh, was like five numbers ago, wasn't it, or something I, like I that? Know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come I on, Irish 88. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I hate it when guys come into the chat room and say they never call radio shows. Yeah, that, that bothers the fire out of me. I hate that. I hate that. Give us a call, one 800 Nine three two one nine eight zero, and literally, it is a free for all tonight. We'll talk about whatever you want. You call it in. You hate it. You you just go ahead and 
You just say it on the air. And we won't ridicule you that much. We won't, we, we're not going to argue with you. Um, Jason, we, we, we don't even debate with people. When they call in, they say they, you know, they hate something that uh, they shouldn't hate. Uh, we, we don't pick on them too much, right? No, it's absolutely not. As a matter of fact, we just kind of push it through. We're just reporters. We want you to be able to vent your spleen. We want to save you hundreds and hundreds of dollars that you would otherwise pay to your psychiatrist yeah. or your uh, healthcare pro- uh, mental health care professional. And by laying on our virtual couch, giving us a call at 1-800-932-1980 or jumping into that chat room at theamericanvoice.com and venting your spleen. You don't have to hold back that thing that's been bothering you anymore. This is the outlet for that. So with that in mind, we have a couple of hates coming through already and a question, actually. Uh, Frank says, I hate tired, old, worn-out date themes. Me too. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's kind of why we play it on Hatefulness Hour now, right. uh, this many years in. But uh, yeah, people LP, on edge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, we're getting people ready for it. Does the host hate my cousin? I don't. Um, well, I, I okay. Don't know who LT's cousin is. He exactly. just he just he just posted though that his cousin is hunting elk and deer in Arizona. Uh, so you know I don't like that. It's not fair. I mean because I've been putting in for years and I can't draw elk out here. That's what I was um, thinking all the time that yeah. I was out in Arizona. I, I uh-huh. mean I don't know how many bonus points I left with, but I never got drawn for elk either. Mm-hmm. It's rough, that? man. Conspiracy. I hate that. I hate that. Me too. <laughs> All right, let's see. Andrew hates liberals, Obama, Governor Malloy, yuppies, and Yankee fans. You know what? I can go with that. I, I don't like the Yankees, you know, so and, – and the fans, well, they can't help it. I don't know what else to say about them, but uh tough hate. Here, LT hates the Tommy Cat. I, I don't know. With that, oh, I guess he has a Tommy Cat that showed up. Folks, this is how it's done. Get in the chat room, tell us what you hate, or give us a call, and we'll go ahead and read it over the air. And, and we're going to put your name on it, or whatever secret identity you put on the chat room. Uh, we'll put your name on it. Here, here's something. I mean, since we're on hate, Jason, let's talk a little bit about the Pope. Uh, the Bible says, uh, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Uh, David said, I hate the workers of iniquity with a perfect hatred. And uh, so I would put the Pope, Pope Francis, uh, or as you um, fondly call him, Pope Frank. Yes, but not I, our Frank. I don't want to make yeah. our Frank madness. But uh, no. you know what? We ought to have a nickname for the guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? I hate the fact that people think he deserves some sort of respect. All right? This guy is a worker of iniquity, guys. It's a I don't dude care. in a dress who's a Jesuit. and you Demanding and to be called Papa. Yeah. Good, good night. Kiss his stinking ring or his toe or whatever you do. Yeah. I mean, good. Seriously? The world in today's day and age with uh, takes this guy seriously? Well, you know what? He must have power. That's all i got to say. In fact, he's got spiritual power behind him, and it's wicked. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, a spiritual darkness, or I think Ephesians talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6. These are the things we wrestle against. Uh, now, the Pope is nothing we would want to wrestle against. For one thing, he probably wouldn't be able to stand, it, stand up to it, but um, physically that is. But he is the quote-unquote puppet head of a political regime. It's not, uh, he's not part of a church. Uh, we don't even... We don't call it a church that's gone into apostasy. The Roman Catholic Church, as they call it, 
has never, ever at any time been a church, all right? And uh, I do believe that, based on scriptures, Jason, that he does, uh, or at least the head of this institute, will play out somewhere in uh, prophecy, or end times prophecy, because uh, he's in the right place, all right? Um, uh, he's in a perfect spot. He, he, the, the church there has always matched the same colors and teachings and paganism of Babylon, and it just makes perfect sense to me. Our forefathers, Jason, and many, many reformers as well, have always held the belief that uh, the Pope is in Antichrist and will somehow be alongside of the Antichrist in the end times. And so so when we see the Pope moving, Jason, not to give him too much credit, but when we see him moving about across the planet, um, there's some significance to it. When he comes into our country, there is some significance. I, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily know all the um, all the reasons why or what what's being done behind the scenes as to why he's here. But we know it is significant that he is here. We'd rather him not be here. Do us all a favor and uh, just stay in Rome. All right. Uh, appreciate the verse LT brought up. Matthew 23, verse 9. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. And, uh, I mean, this is probably the clearest teaching of Scripture to go against the Roman Catholic Church for all their priests demand to be called Papa. I don't know. Maybe they're just, you know, they're trying to, uh, uh, they maybe have an inferiority complex because they've got to walk around looking like Mama all the time. But, uh and the fact that uh, it's not uncommon to see a lot of sodomy in these groups, too. Well, you look at Jude and verse 4, when it starts talking about the false teachers there, it describes what a person like that is. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Look at uh, what the popes surround themselves with, yep. with regard to uh, worldly... Um, goods and this these fantastic buildings and all of these riches and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, how in the world do they do that? By saying that he is the vicar of Christ, that he is standing in Christ's place. He is Christ's sole representative to this world, and therefore that's why they bow to the Pope. That's why all of these things happen. They're filthy dreamers. They defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. And uh, you know what? This is uh, this is just another sign of the end times. Always has He always has been whatever Pope it is, he or she, because there was a female one once, have always been <laughs> um, have always been in the seat of Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah. They've absolutely. Always, they always have been Antichrists. And uh, and the fact is that one day I believe, according to what Scripture says, that the Antichrist who is mentioned, who will come and who will deceive um, even the very elect if it were possible, that he is going to be uh, either related to the Roman Catholic Church or the Pope himself. But sure. nobody can say they have a perfect grasp on everything that's going to happen from here on out. But you certainly can see these things being fulfilled in Scripture very easily. Oh, yeah. It's too coincidental, if you ask me. I mean, and here's another thing. First Timothy 4, verses 1 through 3. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, I'm going to say this right now. I am not suggesting at all that the Roman Catholic Church has departed from the faith. 
they never had the faith, guys. They didn't come from the apostles. Uh, there's no apostolic succession there. The Pope isn't tra- can't trace his roots back to Peter. He can trace it to Constantine, who was just a good politician. But it said in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith. That's believers, Jason. Uh, those yep. that at least know Christ or had some semblance of the truth, and they're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, which we're seeing it now. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And if that's not Rome, I don't know what is. Just do a study of the Waldensians. Do this. Do a study of the Albigensians and the, uh, the Huguenots and so on and so forth. Then look at verse 3. Forbidding to marry yeah. and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath received, uh, cre- uh, created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Yeah, I mean, every well, Friday, right? I mean, yeah. not, and, and they forbid the priests to marry. <laughs> exactly. Is it, is it, how much more obvious can you get? Well, and, and, and the worst part about it is when you look at the seven sacraments, which the Roman Catholic Church officially teaches are an evidence, if you follow or if you fulfilled the seven sacraments, is an evidence of salvation in your life. One of them is the sacrament of holy matrimony. The other is the sacrament of holy orders. Right. I mean, they literally set it up where you can't even truly know 100% that heaven is your home. and. Listen, if the church, if this church in particular, uh, wanted to really portray themselves as a true church, why in the world would they set doctrines that would align itself with something that is clearly taught against? I mean, if you're if you're going to be a priest or you're going to be a nun, you're you're going to claim to be married to Christ as a nun, and you're going to live a celibate life, and the pope as well, and the priest as well. That's nowhere in Scripture. The apostles were married, for crying out loud, with the exception of the apostle Paul. And there's nothing the apostle Paul that taught that the Roman Catholic Church could even slightly claim. But uh, and and here's the thing, Jason, forbidding to marry has created a um, a plethora of uh, sodomy and uh, immorality cases within this organization. And Jason, well, of course, the Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. Yes, absolutely. And here's the thing. You just do a cursory study online. And we don't trust everything that the Internet has to say. But, guys, when you can go on Wikipedia and they can list it by the hundreds... I mean, it's, it's out there. They, they don't even hide it. The sodomy cases uh, and the homosexuality within this institution. And I know guys that were priests and are queer, all right? And they, they make no bones about it. They say, well, we were, we were gay when we went in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just we decided we're out because they didn't want us to marry our partners. <laughs> one, one thing's for sure about the Roman Catholic Church, and that's that they don't have a grasp of what the gospel is. I was able to talk to a, uh, a Roman Catholic priest. His name was uh, Tom. And I stood, it was actually, what do they call the, the building that they live in that's right next to the church building of uh, Roman Catholics? Um, anyway, it's what, yeah. whatever, wherever they stay. And uh, I just went up the and rectory. knocked on the door. Rectory, yes. Knocked yeah. on the door, um, had a gospel tract and a, uh, and a John and Romans in my hand. And I talked to the guy about uh, about Christ. He was the head priest over the eight or ten churches that were in his area. I, I'm using churches not in the biblical yes. sense, but in Roman Catholic uh, parishes or whatever. And... Um, and when I asked him this question, when I, I looked at him in the face and I said, Tom, I said, what are you going to do when you stand before God 
and God asks you why he should let you into heaven even though you're a sinner? He did not have an answer for me. He didn't know how to answer. He had he turned bright red. Sure. Because he was embarrassed because he didn't have an answer for that and realized that if he was to stand before God that very day, he would not have an excuse for mm-hmm. his sin that he would stand before Christ. So I gave him the gospel at that time. He didn't get saved at that time, um, unfortunately. But you could tell that he realized, oh, this whole thing that I've done, I, he's high up in the church. I mean, he's got churches under his his uh, bishopric or whatever it is, however they're arranged. But he did not even realize himself being a leader of prob- of definitely thousands of people. Didn't realize himself how to get to heaven, and that's yeah. the sad part right there. And so, you know, it's a it's a it's a ripe uh, mission field for us as far as that's concerned. But the Roman Catholics have organized the system to keep the truth out and away from the people that are members of that. Yeah, absolutely. Which to me should uh, it should anger the people that they had set up their religion so it's so organized that you really can't know and if you read the uh, uh, the first vatican council uh, or council of trent excuse me uh, what they set in order as far as anyone who believes in justification by faith as a means to getting to heaven is anathema that means cursed and damned as a heretic that's not changed even to this day jason to me that should anger the people that they would be withheld from the truth now here's what gets me First uh, Timothy four reveals that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, and I am seeing more and more Baptists, Jason, those that claim to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, get angered over the exposure of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, we just lost a family over this, a family that we had known for eight years. They've been a part of our church for eight years, Jason, and literally they they were angered at the fact that we didn't call Rome Christian. And, and they said, well, they, there are many good saved Roman Catholics, to which I'd have to ask, if you are saved, then you've got to come out from among them. I mean, that's found not only in the book of Revelation dealing with Mystery Babylon, but it's also found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's found throughout the scriptures. You're a new man. Why would you go back to a place that's teaching heresy? And they've been doing it for thousands of years. There's no way we're changing it now. Um, how about uh, Martin Luther? Martin Luther, uh, for all of his faults, Jason, he was a very influential man, created another church. But he couldn't, he couldn't reform the Catholic Church. He couldn't stop it, and this guy had power. I mean, he could literally thumb his nose at the Pope, and the Pope couldn't burn him. And the Pope well, they, had the ability to burn them all, and he couldn't oh, do yeah. it. He couldn't they, kill they, them. They tried to. They absolutely chased him and tried to snuff his life out because of one thing, because he dared stand up to the juggernaut that was the Roman Catholic organization. He said that you could only be saved by faith in God alone, apart from, you know, any kind of church organization. And that was such a threat to them that they wanted to kill him and all of his followers. We have to remember, this is still the same organization. It's just they behave in a different way when they don't have a whole lot of political uh, and actual force that they can enact upon others. But it's the same organization. They haven't changed the Council of Trent. No, 
they haven't become the newer, friendlier uh, Roman Catholic organization. No, what they've done is they have decided that they had better fly under the radar screen for a while unless they get into power again. And you hear stories coming out of places like South America where they actually do, by force, um, go against people in certain areas when they don't think it's going to get it, make it out into the press, and they, they have a political influence over entire countries in South America. We forget that. Yep. And we're think, talking about this um, organization. And I have seen it firsthand. Uh, going down to Mexico, I've talked to preachers that have gone through this kind of persecution. Here it is, Council of Trent, 1545-1563. These declarations have not changed. It says this, If anyone says that justifying faith is nothing else than confidence in divine mercy, which remits sins for Christ's sake, or that it is this confidence alone that justifies us, let him be anathema. That's the sixth session, Canons Concerning Justification, Canon 12. Here's the next one, Canon 24. If anyone says that the justice received is not preserved and also not increased before God through good works, but that those works are merely the fruits and signs of justification obtained, but not the cause of its increase, let him be anathema. Yeah, which means accursed, which means yep. you are accursed of God, according to them. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you must put your faith and trust in him, and then you will be able to uh, be in the presence of God forever. They find that anathema. Yeah. Now, who else finds that anathema? We're going to talk more about that, and we've got more coming with this Hatefulness Hour. Hey, if you are looking for good radio, you stepped right into the middle of it. This is the most exciting hour on radio. It's Hatefulness Hour, folks. Jump into that chat room at TheAmericanVoice.com uh, with Frank, me, LT, Andrew, Spudman, Mighty Midget 1, Wayne Main, Italiano 2, KJV, Antioch J, Uncle Nick, Irish 88, and The Watchmen. Appreciate everybody in there. Just wanted to give a shout-out. Hey, stay tuned through the break. Get your hates ready for the second half of the broadcast. vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. 
Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Theories for life that is best But give me the scriptures I won't seem to read. 
right, welcome back to the second half of the broadcast, folks. You have stepped right into the middle of the Contenders for the Faith Hatefulness Hour. I am Jason Burton, and I am from Union City, Indiana. And, of course, in the other corner, uh, sitting in his luxurious office, flanked mm-hmm. by the Cedars of Lebanon with the Library of Alexandria stretched out behind mm-hmm. his desk, is the pastor of the only mega church. The only independent fundamental Baptist megachurch in Payson, Arizona. It's Pastor Anthony Garissi in the big squeaky chair. All right. So we're back, and I yeah. tried to interrupt the music, but it didn't happen. I hate when that happens. <laughs> it's hateful in the tower. you gotta, you got to let Frank know that you're going to interrupt the music. Otherwise, I always, well, no. Anymore, I let it play all the way through. So I actually faked him out. It used to be I would interrupt it every single time. But uh, oh, oh. See, the problem was he... He we didn't know because anyway. Yeah, that's right. He didn't know because he was talking to me. He gets between the shows. He tries to give me pep talks like "you stink" and yeah. uh, stuff like yeah. that. And I, I just no. oh, I, I could take really. He, no, for for ten years, man, for ten years between every show. I just want to. I want to let you know that that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> uh, what stink? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I I can't yeah, use all the words he yeah. said. He the right. words he said he's trying to get me to say on the air, and I can't say that. So, you okay. know. Okay. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, folks, this is Hatefulness Hour. We've got the chat room rolling right now. It, in fact, we got everybody talking. It's great. It's a wonderful thing. If you're not in the chat room, get in the chat room with Frank, Jason B. L. Hey, Jason B. is me, by the way. L. T. Yep. Andrew, Spudman, Mighty Midget One. Good to see Mighty Midget back. Wayne Maine. Mm-hmm. Italiano 2, that's you. KJV Antioch J, Uncle Nick, Irish 88, The Watchman, and Tree Farmer. And right now we've got an excellent discussion going on about the Seventh Day Adventist. By the way, Ben Carson is Seventh Day Adventist. Huh. Ah, wow. Jump, jump in the chat room and uh, keep it rolling, folks. But it is Hatefulness Hour. Here's the call in number it's 1 800 932 Give us a call and tell us what you hate because you don't want to keep that on your chest anymore. Hey, it's no, a free absolutely public not. service, Pastor. That's exactly right. It is a public service. So, um, <clears throat> the reason why we brought up the Pope, folks, is because obviously the Pope's come to our country. He's been in Cuba, um, been in time with Fidel Castro, which, by the way, is nothing new. Is nothing new seeing Roman Catholicism hand in hand with communists. And I think if you look back into their history, you'll see communism is nothing but a baby of the Roman Catholic Church, amongst many other horrific things uh, that our society has to deal with, even to this day. Um, the, uh, uh, the Pope was wrong. Uh, Chris Christie, apparently in the news today, he uh, has uh, called out the Pope. I'm surprised that Chris Christie stands for anything, and I guess this is probably the boldest move he's ever made. Being a Roman Catholic, he stated that he thought the Pope was wrong uh, in his social positions and uh, um, uh, siding with Cuba, or at least praising Cuba, um, which I I don't know what Cuba has to offer. Honestly, I know missionaries that have gone over there, Jason, and it's a dump. It's a dump. Our own country knows better than to have any kind of relations with this uh, communist country, which is, what, 90 miles off of our coast. And then uh, Paul Gosar, Republican congressman from our illustrious state, he has announced that he is going to boycott Pope Francis, um, uh, which that's a rather bold move, too, because he is also a Roman Catholic. 
And uh, both of them said the exact same thing. We believe that he is infallible on religious matters, which the Roman Catholic Church does claim, uh, but just not on political ones, which I believe the Roman Catholic Church believes that he is infallible in just about everything he does. This particular pope, Jason, is um, very uh, very political. He is an activist, and he is a socialist. I would call him a communist, actually, uh, which is true to form for any Roman Catholic. If you look at Roman Catholic countries, uh, for the most part, they're very socialistic and communistic. You have a very rich, and you have a very poor, and that's how you control the people. You know, well, usually religion. You know, socialism and communism are very similar to what Roman Catholicism does when it comes into a country. Um, historically speaking, anyway, what you end up is you end up with an elite that have all of the money and all of the power, and they use the people of that country as slaves in order to get them more money and more power. That's right. And yep. so that's uh, I mean, communism is at least in its application is exactly like what the Roman Catholic Church has done for millennia now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and it's um, it's a shame, but uh, you would think that this nation, which uh, in its inception would not allow uh, Roman Catholicism to have anything to do with it, hence the reason why we experience such liberty to this day. Uh, All right, immediate pastor, we've got a yeah. caller. So, caller, right. if you give us your name, where you're calling from, and what you hate. Good afternoon. This is Jay from Washington. Otherwise hey, hey, known hey, as Irish eighty eight in the chat room. All right, Irish. You guys didn't know that. <laughs> that is me. Fantastic. Uh, all right. I actually have I actually I that's a, well that's hey, it's okay tape on this hour, so just let it happen. I can take it. I have I have a couple two three hates now that I've been thinking about it. One of them's kind of benign, it's kind of general. I hate that when I try and pass somebody in my truck at night that they speed up and won't let me pass them. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah, what is let y'all up know with that? that? Mm -hmm. I'm ser seriously, well, man. Here's what's up with it. Here's what's up with it. They, especially when it's raining, they, they don't want you to pass them because of all the spray. Yeah. Uh, at least when it's raining. When it's not raining, I think that they're just, for the most part, I think that they're just, they're kind of morons in the first place, and they realize they were going too slow. And then they'll they'll speed up, but just enough they'll speed up, just enough. But it's very obvious that they speed up, and and then so you'll have to move over, and then I'll have to go. You know, my truck's only governed at sixty three miles an hour. Yeah, so I got to get back out in the left lane, try mm -hmm. pass, and I kind of just get the nose of my cab up, and then they speed up again. That happens, and it just happens. I'm used to it. Been driving truck for thirty years. I hate it. This is one. You know what? No. You know what? I I, I gotta say, I would hate that too. But I might have been guilty of that from time to time. I don't, I, you know, this is a confession. He uh, might on, have been, because you know what? Been. I've ridden with him before. He may very well have been. <laughs> he may have very well been one of the guys, the actual ones. No, but hey, that's a legit. Well, hey, I won't I have, say that I've ever, I'm sorry, I won't say that I've ever intentionally put somebody into the ditch. I won't say <laughs> that I've ever done that. Uh, so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but no, I really do. I really do hate that. That is, uh, it's very annoying. It's rude. It's, uh, it's everything, and you just shouldn't do it. So, yeah. if you're out there next to a truck and a truck's trying to pass you and you're going too slow, man, just let the truck pass. It's yeah. really okay. It's, see, it's okay. Nothing <laughs> bad is going to happen. <laughs> see, see, here's the thing, though. I, by doing this, I might have helped you develop this hate to which you have called on our show. So, I, I say I'm sorry and. Also, you're welcome. It's, okay. 
it's very possible because I've driven in both Arizona and Indiana, in Michigan and everywhere. Oh, else. dear. Oh, dear, so, yes. I've been everywhere. Uh, the other guy, the guy everywhere. in Indiana okay. wasn't me, really. <laughs> Whatever, come on. And my, Own up to my it, man. Second hate, my, my second hate is, is probably maybe my first one. I hate when, when there are call-in shows and people yeah. don't call in. I hate that. Right. That's a good one. I hate that. So I thought, yeah. you know, I would just call in, and, and I I mentioned it to Frank. I said, do you think I should? Yeah. So I just thought I'd throw that. I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot or, or anything like no. that, but you guys really do go out of your way, and you put a good show on, and and you ask for people to call in. They go, what's up, man? Come on, guys. So I hate that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. so I'm calling. That's great. That's Other good. than that, uh, yeah, other than that, I can't really. I thought I had three, but uh, just two's good, I guess. We'll just kind of just leave it at that, I guess. But yeah, okay, great. You sound yeah, relieved, Jay. Yeah, thanks for calling. He feels better now. <laughs> See, well, <laughs> I called into uh, Al's show last week, and Frank said I maybe should have reserved that call for this one because I was pretty heated <laughs> during that call. Uh, Love it, and I was, but you know, but. But there are a lot of things that I hate, and, you know, that just what they were talking about at the moment. I'm sorry. it was. I'm not saying it was more robust or something like that, but, boy, it just really struck a nerve with me. I think that yeah. most people that were listening will attest that I was pretty hot. So Good. Yeah. Good. Well, next so time, anyways, save, it, guys, save it for our yeah. show. <laughs> save it for our show. That's All perfect. Right. All right. All I, right. Can, I, can, I can work on that. So, uh, anyway, well, you guys have a great show, and you thanks too. for talking to you. Yeah, hey, glad to be of service. Man, hey, you know what? I'm sorry? I I said glad to be of service. (laughs) Oh, good to get that off your chest. I thought now, now see, you just just maybe got my nerve there. I thought you were going to say thank me, like thank me for my service, because I was in the service. And and now, if you want to ask about something that I hate, (laughs) Uh I hate when people do that. Okay. Yeah. I have people, and they don't even ask me anymore, because I tell them, don't thank me for my service. I didn't do it for you. Yeah. Okay, I didn't do it for you. If you think it was such a a, a good and, and and noble thing, why don't you march yourself down to the recruiter's office and go join yourself? Other than that, don't thank me for my service. I don't want to hear it. Hey, so that okay. does that does uh, anger me. Yeah, we we you, there's your third hate. There you go. You were thinking there of the third go. hate. It came. So there's the no. trifecta. That's it. I wasn't thanking you for your service. I was saying glad to be of service. Give you an opportunity to vent your spleen as my co-host. Uh, says. There you go, Jay. So Well, thank you, guys. Ha- yeah, have a, have a good day. Good evening. Take care. Okay. Oh, there you Man, go. Man, if it, if it wasn't hateful this hour, I would have said, you know, that's a great call. But since it's hateful this hour, I'm not going to. Anyway, folks, that's how it's done. That was old school. Hey, yeah. us out, or the call-in number is 1-800-932-1980. That's 1-800-932-1980, or jump into that chat room. That's, it's run-of-the-mill for us to get a call like that. That's the way it's supposed to be. And, and just in case you're wondering whether Irish is a, uh, is a hateful person, he's not. It's, it's, as far as I'm concerned, that's a godly trait to have hate. Um, and I know that goes against the society that we live in, Jason, but that's, since when has the society ever been right? And uh, the Bible teaches if you love the Lord, you're going to hate something, okay? You're going to hate something. And I also appreciate what Jay said about, uh, he, he, well, actually, he was trying to be kind. He said he didn't want to push anybody, you know, to call in on the show, but uh, put him on the spot. But I say, put him on the spot. It's hateful this hour. 
that's the way it's supposed to be. So if you didn't like being put on the spot, listeners out there, and you hate that, that's what we're trying to do. Get you to hate something and give us a call. I, I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, yeah, that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. That's right. Call-in number is 1-800-932-1980, 1-800-932-1980. We've got LT expressing some hate in the chat room right now. He says, I hate that when you talk to the JWs and found out to be a person of faith, they become like attack dogs and visit you over and over and over and over and over. There's a way to keep them from doing that. Yeah. You know, um, out, you know move. <laughs> I, 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 th- I thought you were going to say like jump out and bite them, you know. No, no, no. Never come yeah. back. You can. You know, I, I, I don't know. Just don't let them in. Whatever you do, because that's what the Bible says in in the Book that's of right. Jude. That's right. If you not even bid them Godspeed. You know, my mother, um, of all things, uh, she was good at keeping the JWs from coming back. I mean, that was. Would she get done with them? You'd never see them again. I mean, it was. I mean, it, every neighborhood we'd move to, we'd get at least one visit. And I mean, she'd start in. My mom can is not allowed to preach at a pulpit, all right? Because she <laughs> is my mom. But man, get she will find stop, a pulpit. <laughs> and I remember the the last time we had JWs come, there was a little child with them, and you know, um, they're trying to make us feel sorry for them and all that. My mom comes to the door, and I mean, she just starts to let them have it. Next, you know, she gets all charismatic, man. She's She's got her hand in the air, and she's going, I'll tell you right now, if you don't get saved, you'll go straight to hell, and you're leading that little girl straight to hell. She's going to burn. I was going, go get a mom. Well, know. we know where you get them from now, Pastor. Yeah, that, and, and honestly, man, that was it. They never came back. They never came back. So... Uh, LT, that, that, there's some good tips there. Um, jump up and down, start hollering, say hallelujah every once in a while, and then tell them they're going to burn like a sausage on a frying pan. And um, they might not come back. Tell I'll them to listen to this show. Oh, there we go. <laughs> they might yeah. actually learn something. I mean, we could come up with all sorts of tips, right, if JWs come to your door. Um, mm-hmm. Have to have your Doberman pincher ready. I don't know. Um <laughs> <laughs> we used to get a lot more visits out in Arizona than we get out here in Indiana. I think everybody out here, what what the deal is with Arizona, everybody was so energetic that moved out to Arizona. You had to be or you died on the way, right? Yeah. And yeah. When you get out there and people are just really enthusiastic about stuff, out here the JWs are like sitting on the street corner like, hey, man, how's it going? Everybody's so laid back here. We don't get people knocking on our door. I, I actually used to like the Mormons coming to the door out in Arizona because I was able to talk to them and give them the gospel on my doorstep. And that Amen. was great. That was like going door knocking, except it's my door. <laughs> well, and love- most... The the difference between JWs and Mormons is the Mormons uh, they're trained to give you the time of day and and a lot of them are very sincere and so yeah, I've seen some Mormons broken to tears man broken to tears when you start going through the scriptures with them because they really do want the truth they're kind of like Cornelius in Acts chapter ten where they're looking for the truth and uh, listen uh, if a Roman Catholic is looking for the truth God's going to give it to them. You're going to get it. If you truly want to serve, because I know there's good Roman Catholics out there that are fervently trying to find the truth. God's going to give it to them. Now, whether they can leave their religion or not, that's going to be another story. And they'll be conflicted. But you give them that gospel, man. You tell them they're free from the law and free from works. And that doctrine of grace, which has been hijacked by the 
stinking liberals today, Jason, that doctrine where, you know, you have the grace to sin. But the doctrine of grace is is mercy and favor in spite of the sin. You know, and you start giving it to these guys, it's like if they truly want it, they'll be getting a cup of cold, fresh cold water, man. Just, it's, it's, it's nothing like it, being liberated from the works salvation and the control, i.e. the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, that's something that you can find with any cult that you take a look at. And it's the central control. They have to be able to control their people. Here's a The Watchman gives a, uh, a tip for dealing with JWs at your door. Pull out a Stars and Stripes and say we can talk if you can say the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I went to uh, public school, and I sat side by side with a uh, Jehovah's Witness for the whole year. And that kid never stood up for the Pledge of Allegiance, not ever. And, uh, and then when Halloween came, he thought I was Jehovah's Witness because I wouldn't celebrate the holiday. And they thought, well, you must, you must be JW. But I, you know, obviously I fooled him. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's a good one, Watchman. That's a good one. All right, one eight hundred nine three two nine one nine eight zero. One eight hundred nine three two one nine eight zero. We've got time, folks. Give us a call uh, if you've got something that you hate. Pour it on. We'll take it. Get on our virtual couch and just, just, just get it off your chest. You'll feel better. I mean, Irish eighty-eight. He feels Jay. He feels better now. I mean, he's he's going to go through the day. He won't kick his dog. Uh, the JWs might have half a chance. You know, the um, not so. There you go, folks. One eight hundred nine three two. There's my dog. I'm about to kick my dog. I was going to say. I was door. wondering if I was just hearing that or if it's, it was actually going on. Started <laughs> it's talking about timing dogs right there. Dog is barking. That's right. <laughs> Probably barking at the JWs that are knocking on your front door. But uh, folks, we've got a few minutes left. Give us a call. One eight hundred nine three two one nine eight zero. Yep. Well, Jason, Chris Christie. Okay. It, He's never stood for anything. But both Chris Christie and Gosar are making some pretty bold stands. I, I think in the society that we're in right now, I think, it's, I think it's fairly insignificant. Nobody really cares. I mean, it seems bold being Roman Catholics, but to stand against this pope or to even boycott it for political reasons, I don't think that really means anything this day. I'd like to see somebody like, uh, who's that Irish guy that uh, denounced the Pope at Parliament to be Oh, the Ian Paisley, of course. Yeah. yeah. You are the Antichrist. Yes. He uh, got up, and that was in the 1980s when the Pope addressed the European Union. Um, Ian Paisley got up, and he denounced him as the Antichrist and declared that God's judgment was upon him. And, of course, Ian Paisley got tackled by the... Uh, security that was there and dragged out of the European Parliament. Mr. Paisley, have a seat, or whatever they <laughs> said in there. That it's was a classic, great, though. It is. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to listen to. And uh, Ian Paisley, he was political on a lot of things, but you yep. know what? Is With regards to the gospel and with regards to a stand against Rome, he was dead on straight. Um, yes, I think but. he was. He's too Calvinistic for my uh, view, but he did believe in uh, being saved uh, by faith through grace, or by grace through faith. And so, um, you know, Ian Paisley, that was great. And we should stand up against wickedness in high places like that. Um, that was wonderful. Absolutely. Well, it's, um, to me, that's gonna, that'll bring the blessings of God, I think. I mean, because there are times when that needs to be done. 
there needs to be a uh, an address of this man's uh, criminal activities, and and not only just his criminal activities, but um, the fact that he's deceiving so many, leading them straight to to hell, convincing. I mean, when this pope begins to walk amongst the crowd, they swoon. No Bible believing Christian, no Bible believing Christian would ever allow such a thing where people will kiss their hand or people will mob them or just to be touched by them. No Bible-believing Baptist would have would, would, would be 100 miles within that stuff. Well, did you hear that Pope Francis performed a miracle uh, just a few, a uh, couple of weeks ago? There's apparently some dried-up blood that they keep in a vase from some saint from the 300s or something like that. Yes, yes, and, yes. And when he kissed it, it turned to liquid. Now, of course, nobody saw this, but, you know, it was reported reliably by the bishop of the area that yeah. he had performed this miracle. So they're already uh, starting to build up his resume for sainthood, aren't they? Oh, sure they are. And that's another what a ridiculous. Gap. Yeah. yeah the, what a ridiculous religion, in all honesty. They are, it, it, they are as Christian uh, as a JW or as a Mormon. In other yeah. words, they're not. Nope, absolutely not. By the way, Ian Paisley, uh, he's gone home to glory. And uh, for those of you who are trying to look him up online, he is pa- he's since passed. He's in heaven. And um, we just, we, we're not giving him the glory. We're just, we appreciate somebody that's got a little backbone. You know, I believe Martin Luther, Jason, I'm not talking about Martin Luther King either. Uh, but Martin Luther, he had a lot of doctrinal problems, but the guy had some grit. He had some backbone. And we need some ministers of God with backbone that are willing to stand up and tell the truth. You're never going to be popular if you do. And nobody's going to follow your shadow. That's why I get a little nervous about these pastors that rise up through the ranks and, and people think that they're trying to get all the attention. People think that uh, they died and, you know, rose again. Uh, guys, that is not our calling. We are not to be in the limelight. This may be the church age, but guys, it's still about Jesus Christ. It always has been. We're on the air. Not so we can make a name for ourselves. Well, Jason Burton and Pastor... No, we are on the air just to get the truth out. That's it. We're not here for the money. We're not here for the notoriety. We just want to get the truth out, encourage your hearts, tell you to stick by the faith, love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your hearts. All right, coming up next with with New World Order Info, Melissa Roxanne, you don't want to miss it. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. 